Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 372. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Manan. Shazam! This is your DC Comic Podcast. We get together, we talk about the books we read this week. Uh, we're recording this one a day earlier than normal. It's Friday, uh, for whatever reason. Which shouldn't matter, other than just if big DC news breaks on Saturday morning that you thought we would have talked about. This is why, because it's mm-hmm. well, it's not happened yet, so it'll be next week. Quiet, quiet day, quiet day, quiet day. <laughs> well, it was a quiet week, because there's no news to talk about yeah. as of right now. Uh, which is why I guess I'm worried that there could be news. <laughs> True. By, by normal recording time tomorrow. But that's okay. Uh, so yeah. Um, you know, we, what, what we got coming up this week? We have Batman 137, we have Birds of Prey, issue 1, Shazam, issue 3, Justice Society of America, issue 6, Matt Red Poison Ivy 14. We got Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville, issue 1, City Boy, issue 4. And I've got a Patreon book, I'll be looking at Batman and the Outsiders, issue 6. So, uh, that is what's coming up on the show this week. Uh, and it's very humid. It's very humid. Uh, it's gotten a little bit better, but earlier on I was streaming for a little bit and I was like wiping my brow, like, constantly. Just <laughs> sweat pouring off me like the end of the airplane. <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, so, but yes, we'll, we'll get into things. I, you know, the, the one good thing, Matt, is that when we record on, like, a, you know, a, a different day than normal, right? You know, Friday, mm-hmm. uh, on a very rare occasion, maybe a Thursday, or, or if we're even a bit late and we have to do it on the Sunday, the good mm-hmm. news is, is that that Comixology Top 10 is always going to be there for us. You said good news, not depressing news. It's not even. I mean, it's not even really news. It's just, it's just the realizations. The, it's the beautiful natural state of the world. Is <laughs> mm. what it is. So yeah, we'll look at the Comicsology top ten. As always, they're split by Tuesday and Wednesday. So we'll look at Tuesday first for DC, and then we'll look at Wednesday for the rest. But these are just the ranking of the sales based on right now at the time of recording on Comicsology. Uh, so what do you think number one book was on Tuesday, Matt? I'm gonna be hopeful, and I'm gonna I'm gonna think that it was Birds of Prey number one. It was not. Mm. Drats, um, Batman. It was Batman. Mm. Batman was number one. However, don't fret too much because Birds of Prey was number two. Mm. Uh, number three was Justice Society of America. Number four wow. was Shazam. So. You know, all of our more hype books all coming mm-hmm. in, uh, two, three, and four. Uh, number five, and this is a little surprising, is Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville. Okay. Uh, number six is Blue Beetle, issue one. Uh, number seven is The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing. Number eight, Steelworks. Number nine is Peacemaker Tries Hard. And number ten is Poison Ivy. So, People, start reading Poison Ivy, please. It's a delightful <laughs> book. And yeah. I don't like that Peacemaker... <laughs> is is outselling it I, I understand joker and even blue beetle maybe there was some hype from the movie um and it was number one um but but still works like nothing against that book but I'll be, I'll be curious to see if blue beetle can be in a similar position next month or if it's just going to tank yeah. to what i expect it to do right. <laughs> next month i don't know we'll i mean see. as a follow-up to that mini series or graduation day maybe there was hype from that because i don't know mm. if that trade's even out yet um, but yeah, maybe there's some hype from those people too. Add a little bit of a movie buzz, uh, and that. But like, yeah, come on, let's yeah. let's let's 
Let's get Poison Ivy closer to the top five. Yeah, I chose not to read Blue Beetle because it was basically a follow-up to that other mm-hmm. book that I didn't read. Uh, you were yeah. going to read it, but ran out of time. Yeah, because Friday. Because Friday. Know. Yeah, it's a day early than normal. Uh, although the other book you conveniently didn't have time for was Batman, you sneaky bugger. <laughs> to be fair, and I told you this before, I did go back and read the Batman Catwoman special from last week because I had okay. every intention to read Batman, and I got about a quarter of the way through Batman before I ran out of time. So, Well, I'll uh, fill yes. you all the juicy details in, Matt. Uh, don't you worry. I'll fill you well, up real good. Uh, uh, I did. I uh, Don't do that. Don't say that. Phrasing. No <laughs> <laughs> um, phrasing. Friends fill each other up, man. That's that's how it works. Okay. Um, uh, I was going to say, uh, knowing that the My Parents Are Rich line was coming made it very much funnier. Mm. And I, I, I don't know who wrote that line. I don't know if that's Danny Howard or if it's... Um, but uh, based on this issue of Batman, I, I think Zarsky's the culprit, but we'll, gotcha. we'll fight that. <laughs> but the unintentional comedy scale got ramped really up when you're waiting for it. Mm. Um, but yes, so I uh, did get to go back and read that. And yes, also the Montoya art was noticeably rougher when, when you're looking for it. So, you know. Yeah. Um, so are you planning on reading this, bat- finishing this Batman? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I bought it to read. I got a okay. quarter of the way through. Uh, I'll probably read it uh, tomorrow uh, when, when I have some downtime. Okay, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Just so you can be caught up when that, that next hotly anticipated issue of Catwoman comes it's out. It's one of these It's <laughs> one of these things where I'm trying not to read things I don't want to read, right? I know it sounds common sense. Yeah. However, but- after surviving Night Terrors... Right. It does sometimes reading some of this less than good makes makes for good content. And I hate that word. I hate that everything's content now. Right. But it makes for at least a good discussion between me and you. Right. We, we got gun bat. Yeah, on yeah. We got my parents were rich. Like I think and I know Connor doesn't agree with this, but I yeah. think because we do a podcast, I think mm-hmm. regardless of how little interest we may have in it, mm-hmm. I think whatever the main thing going on at DC, yeah. we should probably be talking about. Even yeah. We can skip anything else we don't want to read, but right. I feel like this Batman-Catwoman crossover for the next month or two is the main thing going on. We should probably right. be talking about it. So. Right, I agree. This is a, if this was like Red Hood-Catwoman crossover, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> we, we would not even be daring. But the fact that it is so high-profile, yeah. you know, um, at, at least yeah. it's, at least it's not got 50 tie-ins like yeah, Night Terrors yeah, it's, that, that's the... it's real real small I mean there's that Red Hood book speaking of yeah but right? I'm not reading that <laughs> yeah uh, but isn't it isn't it chapters in this like it's it was oh Batman God. Catwoman that Red Hood special I thought it was more of like a, a tie if, if it is if it, it, if it says at the end of Catwoman chapter yeah. 4 is in that Red Hood yeah. one shot I'll read the Red Hood one okay. shot but, that, that's how I was taking it, but yeah. yeah. Um, I, I but thought it, it was a separate, like, skippable, you know, gotcha. tie-in thing. Uh, that, that said, you know, reading stuff like that also makes the other things, like Poison Ivy, stand out as, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm very much enjoying a the books canal. that I'm choosing. <laughs> um, but yeah, or Birds of Prey, even. But, you know, um, it, it makes those books stand out more, just by a little bit. So. All right. Well, Wednesday's uh, comicsology still to uh, be done mm-hmm. here. Uh, you got you got a guess for uh, number I'm, one? I'm pulling it up right now. Um, I'm looking for any anything that rings of an event. Oh, there's two X books <laughs> in the top. So now it's a fifty-fifty. Um, 
I don't know. There's, there's a, a Magneto book. <laughs> Could be that. Oh, is it, see, it's not on Leo Comic Geeks. That's it's not. But you wouldn't tell me about that if you, that was number one because you, you want me to <laughs> look like a fool. Um, I'm going to guess X-Men 26. That's correct. Uh, number two is Immortal X-Men issue that, 15. Which that I, was the other one. Yes, I presume that was the second choice. That, that cover is rough. It looks like Wolverine's melting. It does, doesn't it? Um, yeah. uh, number three is Amazing Spider-Man. Number four is Ghost Rider Wolverine. Number five is Fantastic Four. Number six is Scarlet Witch. Number seven is Doctor Strange. Number eight is The Sacrificers issue two. That's uh, an image book by Rick Remender. Uh, number mm. nine is Moon Knight. And then number ten is Star Wars Dark Droids. Uh, so... Uh, we got one non-Marvel book <laughs> in the top ten. Yeah. That's something. Which is a Reminder, which is which is nice. I haven't heard that name in quite a long time. I'll be honest, I never really get into any of his work, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I at least respect other people are fans of it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, very, very good. I'm just skimming to see if anything else sticks out that I want to say, hey, this is a thing. Um... Not really. There's a Buffy the Last Vampire Slayer comic of some kind. Um, I don't know what the quality's been like on those recently. I don't know if they're worth yeah. checking out or what. Uh, there's a book called Godzilla, Here Be Dragons. <laughs> Which, you have my curiosity. Yeah, I figured I might. Um, but hey, I don't know. Why? No, I don't yeah, want to buy the comic comics. So I just, <laughs> I just want to click on it and get more information. Why is that so... Yeah, I see the Here Be Dragons. Uh, there's also Hunt for Skinwalker, which I wonder what that is. That sounds up my alley. Um, oh, jeez. So. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so, aye. <laughs> there you go. That was, that was number three of the Godzilla book, for the record. Oh, I'm yes. noticing, uh, so IDW, and I think Image still do this as well, is that after two months, they, they half the price of all their comics digitally. I forgot they did that. It's been a while since I've uh, That's nice. browsed their uh, back catalogue. Uh, that is nice. Uh, but anyway, there you go. That's the Comicsology Top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said earlier, there wasn't really any news this week. It's been quiet. Uh, on comic book land, and even movie land, because you know, of all the, you know... The strikes and whatnot going on, so I guess we'll just get into Batman One Thirty Seven. Uh, yeah, we'll just... take take the lead there. <laughs> I was looking, maybe any news popped up, but so far nothing. Mm. So you know. Yeah. So hold on, I need to just make. I need to do some. Oh, I need to do some things. Oh. To, uh, I need to make sure I'm trying not to cover your face as I move something on my desktop. <laughs> There we go. I've done it. I've, I have succeeded in my stealth organization. Anyway, uh, so yes, Batman 137 by Chip Zarsky and Jorge Jimenez. So, I mean, obviously the art I expected would be, be good. Mm-hmm. It's Jorge Jimenez. Why wouldn't it be? Um, so, I actually, I often won't read any of my books until like the Friday or Saturday. Uh, just before we record and for whatever reason this week I think it's because we were doing this early and I had other things to do today I was making sure I was reading some of the books you know sprinkled through mm-hmm. a few, over a few days so I read this back on like Wednesday uh, so if it takes me a second to click what, what was going on but um, basically Batman starts clamping down on all uh, Selina's like cronies right so the, the book mm-hmm. starts with like, a couple of people that she's trained breaking into a place and Batman's there 
and is is you know beating the shit out of them and whatnot and it becomes this running thing um and batman's being extra aggressive with the criminals tim calls him out on it so on so on i think my big problem with this is that ultimately this issue is built into a conflict it's built into a mm-hmm. conflict with obviously selena but it's built into a conflict with bruce and the rest of the bat family who all think that he's he's pushing himself and he's being extra aggressive to make a point that he's not happy about any of this i think my big thing with this is not so much that i don't buy the conflict would kind of would get there eventually it's that it happens so quickly like you know we straight up get in this issue batman fighting the bat family like that happens before <laughs> the end of this issue Oh boy! Already, and, huh? Yeah, and that felt a bit weird to me. Um, they do like a little bit of a thing where uh, they're distracting Batman to get to uh, the people that were arrested already. Um, but unbeknownst to them, this is the exact same time Batman is attacking Selina's base. So Batman actually breaks into her base and beats up most of the people she's been training. <laughs> and, and then Jason. You know what? If I didn't know any better, I would think that Batman's the villain. Do you know what? One of my key things that I was going to say uh-huh. is that I am finding it very, very hard to in any way sympathize with his side yeah. of this. It feels like he's the one in the wrong. Now, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. At the end of the issue, much like the end of last issue, there's a little mm-hmm. implication that Zuranar's having more of an influence on him mm-hmm. than maybe he wants to admit. You know, he's seeing that he's putting behind a jail cell on his mind. But mm-hmm. he does kind of sound like he's just angry Zoo and R Batman at times. Like, right. So I think maybe they're doing something there. But even still, like the rest of the team showing up and trying to stop Batman and it just devolving into a fight immediately. And what's worse is that, you know, Batman just kind of wins against them all quite easily. You know, they, they just kind of... We just had this in the Mark Wade. Lazarus Planet book. Uh, yep, exactly, exactly. Uh, um, until Damien's oddly absent until he shows up and punches Red Hood, and uh, he's on his dad's side, of course, because he's Damien. Of course, but of course he singles out Jason. It is like f you in particular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Selena breaks out her people out of the police van, but then hears what's happened. That our, our base of operations has been completely torn apart, and a lot of our people have been beat. Um, and Batman is with Damien, and Damien notes, because he's basically just realized about Batman's hand, how it's like a cybernetic mm-hmm. hand now, and Bruce kind of admits that it's kind of helping the whole thing where he's getting old and feeling like he can't do it anymore. Like, his hand's stronger than it used to be. And it feels like, are we te- seeding that he's going to start giving himself more, like, augmentations to, like, make his body stronger? Because it kind of feels like he's, like, going, you know what, this is... This has given me an edge that I didn't. I was starting to think I didn't have anymore. I mean, the whole point. I, I bring Mark Wade's name up again because the whole point in Kingdom Come of the exoskeleton Batman is that he pushed his bar- body so far that he had to have an exoskeleton frame in order just to walk around. You know, like we again, we've. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, I'm actually I'm I'm scouring the book because there was another. It wasn't quite as funny as uh, my parents were rich, but there was uh-huh. a there was a moment where Batman yelled something at someone, and it uh, kind of it it definitely sounds like he's devolving into into ten year old Bruce. Oh yeah, right? that's was it. So when he's attacking the like Selena's base, right, wherever she is mm-hmm. with all of her people, and Jason's trying to stop him. 
and Jason's sort of like debating with him and Batman says if you're if you believe Selena's plan if you think death is fine if it stops more death and then he yells then shouldn't I kill you which just like this is one of these things where the voice for him just feels off and if, the, off. And if he's doing a thing where it's Zuri and R that's starting to pe- pe- right. pe- creep in okay I can kind of at least like that justifies it to a point right. but the rest of the team like are already feeling like oh we have to step in and stop him like mm-hmm. like he's doing something wrong here and I just think it escalates far too well, fast. It's it's also very draconian thinking on Bruce's part that all crime is equal, right? Because because it's not. No, it's not even close to all being right. Equal, yeah. And so like yes, his parents died, and that's what you know gave birth to you know Batman, right? And that but was mur- also, and that was murder. But if someone had just mugged right. them and left them alone, right? Not the same thing because. Because when he says my parents are rich, I, I feel like if they had got back to Wayne Manor and Martha's pearls were gone, she would just be like, oh, okay, well, let's figure out how to put better locks on these windows, right? And they would just go buy new ones. Uh, no, we'd be, we'd be reading comics about Martha having nightmares about her pearls falling from her neck for yeah, years yeah. If, <laughs> if she, she but lived no, there. But like, you know what I mean? Like, So just this very oversimplification uh, to, to Bruce that all crime is equal when you literally have your arch nemesis Joker upping the ways he kills people, right? Not really doing property crimes. Joe, you know, you know the sad part you know? is, is that, again, I said this a lot last time, but conceptually, if you told me you're going to do a story where Bruce is starting to go too far and the mm-hmm. rest of the family unite and rebel against him, I think yeah. that sounds like a great idea. That sounds like a great idea. But it's yeah. it's went from, you know, 2 to 11, you know, in the span of, like, 10 pages right. in this issue. It does not earn it. It does not build up to it. I just did not feel it. All of it just rang false to me. So there's two other big things that's going on here that needs to be mentioned. One is that whilst all this stuff's happening, a lot of the other villains are up to something. Uh, there's just a couple of pages where it's... Um, do we even know who this is that's showing up here? Uh, I did see I did see Mad Hatter and Professor Pig. Yeah, yeah, it's Mad Hatter, I think. It's Mad Hatter coming mm-hmm. and Professor Pig brings him in and it's a table with Scarecrow, Black Mask, Two-Face, Calendar Man, Scarface, and I think uh, Firefly was the last one? Or Killer Moth. I, 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 one, one of them. Yeah, I, I get them mixed up. But uh, basically, they're really pushing Calendar Man. Uh, yeah, they are. But they're they're really yeah. you know they're building up to something. Whilst like mm-hmm. Catwoman, and this is probably going to be lend to the idea that Batman is at least partially right. Is that all this has done is be a big distraction so the mm-hmm. real bad guys could plan and plot and do something right. really bad. So you know that will be a fair point when it pops up. But. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is that so after he's had his fight with his bat family and he's in his brownstone uh, you know apartment some lawyer dude shows up to tell Bruce that uh, because of his financials he's actually like the he's lost the manor the manor has been sold to what? someone so the last chunk please of the issue Selena. please say Selena <laughs> well he thinks that he actually considers that it might have been Selena okay. but, he, but he's like thinking oh who is this but he, he's basically racing back to the cave because he's like oh, oh I, I need to like sort of shut off the access so no one can find the back cave you know it'll completely mm-hmm. blow the whole thing right whoever this new owner is so he's racing back to the back cave he gets in uh, this is where Zuran R is kind of like over his shoulder being like oh you know, they'd expose you, you know, we, you need the cave, we need the cave, stop this, you know, he's sort of the devil in his shoulder. Um, but the ending is, is we find out who's bought the cave. Um, Batman sort of slouches down and he just tears off to the side 
uh, uh, pardon me, I don't mean to be rude, but uh, you're in my home. And the final page reveals that the person who's bought the cave and now knows who's, who Batman is, is out of nowhere, Vandal Savage. What? The, you shut, stop. This is the last page is Vandal Savage. Oh, okay. I mean, look, I love Vandal Savage as a character. Um, but yeah, you were really not kidding when you said out of nowhere. Is it? So out of nowhere. When, this, when I got to this page, I was like, wait, what? what, what why? <laughs> where, where have you been? Like The, the immortal, yeah. Last time I saw him, he was, he was doing stuff with uh, in, in Snyder's run, right? Like... Those posts with the with the fragment of, of reality. Yeah, was, uh, even in Justice League. Yeah, in Justice League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's been done much since then, yeah. but uh, yeah. Huh. So this is a weird pivot, and it does make me think: like, how does this fit into the rest of the Gotham War that's happening? Because it feels like separate to that, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, it says to be continued in Catwoman Fifty Seven, which is out in a couple weeks. So. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the art is is generally very good. It's Jorge Jimenez. He knows what he's doing. Um, there's not really much to fault there. Conceptually, mm-hmm. I don't even mind the ideas that they're playing with. I just think it's speed running through and not actually giving any... It's not giving it time to really believe that the, the seeds of, like... Not even mistrust, that's not the right word, mm-hmm. but just the seeds of the family thinking, oh, we need to intervene. But like, there's like mm-hmm. Batman's going too far, we have to intervene. They just don't earn them making that choice. Um, and I don't really enjoy Batman's side of this because it feels like he's just ignoring every valid point any of them make. Yeah. And while I'm not saying that's completely out of character necessarily, just the way it's handled and the way it's scripted just just rings a bit false. It just it's playing it's playing in a way where Batman's feeling out of character the entire time. And maybe that's mm-hmm. partially the point. But I think you could get across that he's out of character as opposed to me thinking maybe the writer just isn't really good at writing Batman. <laughs> Which is the which is the precipice I'm kind of on right now. Yeah. So. Yeah, because even during the failsafe stuff, he felt like Batman, and even in the the red mask stuff, which we didn't necessarily like and got kind of zany, it still felt like the voice of Bruce was right. This just feels like it's not. Like he's a different character. I mean, there was the odd little moment where he was a bit off. It just wasn't ever mm-hmm. like a huge deal during yeah. the failsafe arc, but there was definitely those little moments where it felt like the voice was just a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but it's gotten worse as time has went on in the run, for sure. Um, bizarrely, it's probably because Zarsky's feeling more confident, but in a weird yeah. way, he's leaning into things I don't like. So it's, it's, uh, it's not something I'm super on board with. I guess the key thing in this, other than the big reveal about who bought the manor, is... Um, that selena is pissed like batman has fired a you know a shot across the bow mm. and selena is probably going to want to retaliate next issue so i'm I'm interested in seeing what she does with that yeah. but you know it's a it's a murky story so far for me i'm not i'm not in love with it by any means <laughs> it's wild if that wild was obvious. yes mm-hmm. suddenly vandal savage yeah, that's the one now. I'm excited to see how this fits all, all fits in now. Because, do you think that's going to continue in Catwoman, or do you think? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I feel like Vandal Savage stuff won't come back until Batman's next later. issue would be my guess. But yeah, you know, I don't know. That makes sense. I will. I mean, we'll see. Uh, as far yeah. as ratings go, eh, I think I might give it a six because uh, the art's quite good and it's not like I hate every idea that's in there. 
but it, it, you know the execution is leaving me kind of cold in a lot of ways. So six out of ten for me for Batman one thirty seven. So uh, yeah, uh, that'll take us on to Birds of Prey issue one. Kelly Thompson writing with Leonardo Romero on the art. So mm-hmm. I have been looking forward to Kelly Thompson jumping ship to DC for quite some mm-hmm. time. I made that clear when the solicits for this came out. I was jazzed about the whole thing for this new Birds of Prey book. And this issue is very much the first issue. It's the assembling the team. Um, there's a bit of a mystery set up right from the get-go with Dinah talking to Ollie. Ollie can't be involved, really, but she has to put together a team. And the plan is, as Ollie puts it, to put together a team that'll make whoever runs into them in a dark alley shit their pants. That's the the uh-huh. goal that's set up at the start. Um, and it teases that, you know, the, the purpose of this is for Dinah's, like, uh, adopted sister. But um, we get more okay. of that as the book goes on. I mean, before we get into, like, what happens in it, Emma, how did you feel about this? I, I liked it a lot. It, it doesn't feel like a Birds of Prey book. It feels like its own thing. But I understand why they went with that title. And maybe it'll develop into feeling like that birds of prey. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it has a voice. It, it, I already, you know, has that Kelly Thompson feel to it. Um, so I'm not upset at all of that. Uh, just, I don't know, calling it birds while only having, you know, Dinah. However, they do make it a big point of Barbara can't know about this. Yeah. Right? I, like whoever gave Dinah the information mm-hmm. she has, which we'll get to at the end of the issue, obviously. Yeah. Uh, said specifically in no uncertain terms that Barbara yep. cannot know about any of this. So yep. obviously she would have brought Barbara in, but she's not allowed to. Right. So I, and I think that's part of the point too. So, but it definitely has uh, the lightness that I associate with Kelly Thompson, like especially from Hawkeye and West Coast Avengers and all that type of stuff. It's got the. She, she writes very likable characters and mm-hmm. the way they bounce off of each other without it being overly wordy is a skill and mm-hmm. you know uh, the art here is fantastic I think uh, Romero does a really great sort of flat muted colors style yep. of, of uh, you know when you get to like just the, just like three three pages in where it's like oh well if you can't have Babs who's the next best choice and then you cut to you know Cassandra Kane like fighting a mm-hmm. bunch of you know, League of Assassins, whoever it is. Yep. And uh, it's just, you know, it, it feels like a big entrance and you get that gorgeous two-page spread where Dinah jumps in and helps her fight. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's all the different positions they're in as they're going through all these, like, fights that they're having. And, Straighten, uh, yeah. League of, was it League of Sa- Shadows, League of Assassins, one of them. One of them, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, and also the body language for cast too. That's always important is when I look at an artist's work when they're working with Cass is Mm -hmm. because she's mostly nonverbal and over time she's gotten more verbal, but the body language has to be there. And I feel like Romero does that very well here because a lot of the, a lot of the panels with Cass, she's in the full mask, like her Batgirl costume. If I, I think she's, I think she's in that in every panel. She's in in, in every panel. (laughs) And so, but you still get the vibe she's going for. She's still very, you know. Well, the, the best example of that after this two-page spread, this you know all the the fights happening, mm-hmm. is at the bottom of that page when Dinah says, "Hey, we've got I've got this mission. I need you to sign up. You can't tell Barbara, um, but this is about my sister. I need to save her." Blah blah. blah. And there's two panels at the bottom of that page where uh, Cass says "Okay," and then there's a panel of Dinah saying "Really?" just like that, and then Cass responds, uh, "Of course. What's more important than a sister?" 
And those two panels are almost identical, the cast ones, because it's just her mm-hmm. and her mask. But if you look closely, you can see that the shoulders have very different body language in both. Yeah. One, one of them, they're more sort of, you know, up and like she's sort of tense. And then when she says the thing about, you know, there's nothing more important than a sister, her shoulders are relaxed. And the body language, just and that subtle detail just tells you something uh, yeah. on its own. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I do love that Cass is getting a revival because, you know, we, we had her in Batgirls, right? And then she's uh, one of the main characters in Spirit World. And now she's part of the Birds of Prey team. So, like, you know, just letting these creatives come on and use the character. And they, they all feel in their interpretations pretty, pretty good. I um, think anyone reading... Uh, Batgirl from you know the early to mid two thousands probably mm-hmm. has a lot of affection for Cassandra Kane mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. wants to and you know, a lot of people who are writing comics now were probably reading in that era so yeah it makes a lot but, of yeah. sense they all want to use her um but yeah so Kelly Thompson and you know big big fan from the Kate Bishop Hawk, uh, Hawkeye series and all of that stuff so bringing like you're talking about um, the incorporation of of all these characters but they all have unique voices. So you know exactly who's talking, even if you're not looking directly where the balloon's going, um, which I think that that is one of Thompson's specialties. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the very next person then produces Big Varda, who, again, mm-hmm. speaks very different. I guess the best thing to compare yeah. her to, she's like the Drax of the group. Kind of, yeah. You know, you know she's very matter-of-fact. She <laughs> refers to Cass as little bat over yep. and over again. Would, would you guess that Varda was my favorite part of this book this week oh i'm shocked uh, man that's, yep. that's not like you so actually because it's um, not a redhead that's true that's true you, you throw a knockout in here and or, you know from apocalypse or we got a different yeah because uh, uh, yeah. barda hits cast by accident when she first shows yep. up and then is like oh sorry but i'm impressed you survived a hit little bit <laughs> so and, and i saw that you you were getting ready to dodge you know so you're you're good on top of it yeah you know so it's those little things how she's talking through her physicality I think uh, what's so interesting about how these different action scenes, because there's again they fight like a bunch of these you know mm-hmm. lackeys uh, that Barda was fighting in her bar, and mm-hmm. the first fight with Dinah in the League of Assassins is presented as this big two page spread where you're seeing all the different mm-hmm. positions that they're in as they're going through and fighting all these different bad guys. Uh-huh. It's very it, because it's one big you know two page spread and it's like it's got uh, it's giving you this idea of like smooth almost acrobatic combat. It's giving you this sense of like flowing through the scene. The Barda scene, uh, where she's with Cass, because Barda's the focus, it's a lot more panels, and it's a lot more of, like, Barda, like, throwing people out of panels. It's a lot more carnage. It's a lot more, like, no, no, this isn't mm-hmm. acrobatic when it's Barda that's fighting. This is someone Hulk smashing and throwing people around like the mm-hmm. ragdolls. And they are, does a really good job of getting that across, the difference between yeah. the two fighting styles, I thought. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's very good. Very much. Yeah. Uh, so... Recruits Barda. Uh, she, mm-hmm. You know, once she knows it's about Sin, uh, the sister, yeah. she's she's in. Um, whilst Dinah is off to Star City to recruit, uh, kind of our sort of least known character of the mm-hmm. announced team, which is of course Zealot uh, yeah. from the uh, the Wildcats side of the, mm-hmm. the the tracks. Who who makes an appearance with Grifter, which that keeps you know. That I associate those characters together since mm-hmm. Rosenberg introduced them in um, Urban Legends, right? Um, yeah. So that, I mean, to be fair, I, I think they've been connected a lot longer than that, but yeah. Well, what I mean is in, in this in this form, right? In this version of Wildcats, 
you know, they they're kind of partnered up in that way. So the fact that she goes there and she's with Grifter and you know that plays off of Dinah and Grifter's past too, because yeah. that's a Team Seven thing. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Zealot Zealot says um, that you know this this is not she's not convinced to go and help. She owes Dinah yeah. a favor, and it's like mm-hmm. okay, you're calling in the favor. All right, so we've got four members and i just want to, this 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 team meeting page when it's the four of them like it's so colorful mm-hmm. the way that the colors in the background sort yeah. of like go from green to pink to purple to blue uh very very nice it gives the whole thing a really nice color palette um and it you know it feel it felt it feels more distinct than any other book i read this week it feels like yeah. this is this book style uh and then cass is like hey what about harley quinn and dine is like uh hell no and then Cass says, can I tell you a story? And then there's a page of, or a couple of pages of a flashback. Uh, and I liked how the coloring was done for these two pages, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's all kind of light pastel, yeah. kind of. Uh, but um, it's, it's basically Cass uh, bumping into Harley when they're investigating the same crime. And Harley fights Cass. And Harley, Cass is basically impressed that Harley, because she's so unpredictable with how she fights, like, for example, in this scene, she grabs a big mm-hmm. fish and tries to hit her with a fish. Instead of the frying pan that she looked like she was going for. <laughs> uh, uh, she she didn't win, but she no. got closer than mm-hmm. most people would, like, much closer than she would have expected. Um, so she says, hey, and this is actually four pages, not two. Uh and yeah. she eventually just jumps out the window with a smell on her face to get away from Cass. And she's, but I, the comedy beat here that really killed me though is when it cuts back to like the mm-hmm. the scene of like her telling the story. It's this POV shot of the other ladies, and they're just like, "Uh, <laughs> small bat, that was hardly a story. You barely spoke." And then I went back and looked through those four pages where she was telling the yeah. story, and I get the impression that she basically didn't actually describe a lot of this. She just. <laughs> She maybe just said that there's like captions where she says, "frying pan, no fish," uh-huh. and then it's like she's she's like to me she was recounting what happened while also a little bit acting it out. So they are just kind of looking at her like we we have no idea. Yeah, what was going but on. I, I love the idea that we get all the context because mm-hmm. we could see yeah. the art, but they did they got barely any of it. They just got right. what, fish instead of frying pan. What? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Um, and she's like, no, she almost beat me. We should try and recruit her. So they, sure enough, they go and get Harley, who's fighting some bad guys in an alleyway. Um, and Harley thinks they're a kill squad. And like, we're not mm-hmm. a kill squad. We're here to recruit. Mm. Um, so. She yeah. tell your kill squad, right? You got Cassandra yeah. Kane, Big Barda, Zealot, and you. Um, it's enough to make people crap their pants. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I like so, that. Yeah, because she's ba- yeah. she basically said, "Oh, this reaction Harley's given us is the right yep. one." Yeah. Uh huh. Perfect reaction. So, no, that was that was a good setup and payoff. Uh, but Harley mm-hmm. ultimately, of course, says she's in. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, sends a cool ass little girl who might grow into a cool ass woman. I'm in. Like that. That that, that mm-hmm. doesn't really take much to. So there is kind of a nice, like, positive, like you know, women sticking together vibe that's happening yeah. here for some of the characters. Well, yeah, and so I had to go back and I wasn't that familiar with Sin and, and her development, but uh, upon reading, apparently she was supposed to be the next Lady Shiva. Um, oh, okay. Right. And so uh, Diana got her, or Diana got her out of there. And so whatever she's wrapped up in now, it almost seems like it, you know, whoever was responsible for her, you know, for um, raising her before Diana got to her, has got her wrapped back up in this big problem. 
you know? So the fact that they're all going to come together to kind of pull someone out from a dark, from this darkness, where you look at all of these characters and, you know, like you said, Zealot is the one that I'm least familiar with, but, you know, you have Harley, you know, her, right? Her backstory. You have Cassandra Kane, who is Shiva's daughter, right? And you have Big Barda, who's from Apocalypse, who fled Darkseid to join up with New Genesis and her husband, you know, Mr. Miracle. So there's there's a through line. So Zealot, I'm, I'm not that familiar with her, but maybe those are along the same lines. You know, the, Ma- that's yeah. kind of her. Maybe. But there seems to be a theme with all of them escaping darkness uh, to, to fight for, on the side of light most of the time. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. That tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last page reveals who told Dinah uh, that Sin needs saving and how to mm-hmm. do it. Um, it turns out to be a character named uh, Meridian. However, mm-hmm. she does point out that you might know her as Maps or uh, Mia Mizuguchi mm-hmm. from this time. And I had to, I had to double check who that was because I'm like, okay, I feel like yeah. I'm supposed to know who this is. I'm going to go check. Uh, it turns out this is the little sister from Batgirls who originally appeared in Gotham Academy, but this is her grown mm-hmm. up from the future. Gotcha. <laughs> so so... I, I remember <laughs> the name from like online discourse. So that's probably where from was the Gotham. Yeah. Academy. Yeah, because she says maps. Uh, you may know me in this time as maps. So it's like mm-hmm. okay, clearly you're from the future. Yeah. Uh, you clearly have whether it's powers or just like gadgetry, but you've got some sort of electric powers going yep. on here, judging by the art. Um, and yeah, but she's yeah. So she says to them, uh, "I'm here to help you break into Themyscira and rescue Sin from the Amazons before they accidentally bring about the end of the world." And then Harley laughs, and that's the end of the book. <laughs> I love it, she's like, in no effing way. Uh, oh, yeah. dear. Honestly, I don't know if we knew that they were going to break into Themyscira, but I am excited no. by that development. Well, and it makes sense. So a lot of people were, were upset. Not upset. I mean, in that way of comic book fans being like, well, wait a minute. Why wouldn't Dinah go talk to Diana, right? She's known her for years. And Kelly Thompson's like, why don't you get beyond one issue? Let's let the story well, play out a little bit. Even this statement, though, from you from uh, Meridian at the end, though, mm-hmm. before they accidentally bring about the end of the world, right? that implies that if Dinah just went and asked something, it may start right? the chain of events that would end the world. I mean, it's not right? anything concrete yet, but it's enough of a no. little thing to think, right. okay, there's a reason why Dinah... The same way the, cause the book starts with saying Babs cannot know. So maybe right. Dinah... Or not Dinah, sorry. Uh, Diana can also not know. Right. <laughs> It's just one of those things, like, just, it, it's one issue. Let's let the story play out. Yeah. And, it was, I mean, it was the same with um, uh, Titans issue one, where people were mm-hmm. like, oh my god, did you really kill off that character? And then yeah. Taylor's like, just read issue two. And of course, yeah. within two pages of issue two, no, 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 that was never what was yeah. happening. Calm down. Right. Just this overreaction on stuff for serialized storytelling, I will never understand, you know? I mean, it's, um, it's fun to get into. It's just... I'm sorry, like, this is going to sound harsh, mm-hmm. but too many people are just idiots, okay? That's yeah, the thing. You're not wrong. Talking about serialized storytelling as the yeah. chapters come out is really fun. Yeah. The theorizing, mm-hmm. the analyzing, and try to sort of, like, yeah. map out where things might be going but, or, or what's going on. The problem is, is there's too many idiots who just take the wrong reading and have no critical mm-hmm. thinking abilities. It's, right. oh, it's mind-numbing. I mean, you're, you're telling me we're going to get a Kelly Thompson story with Leonardo Romero art of a heist on the mascara, essentially, right? Like essentially, yeah. Let's go. Like that yeah. is a book for me. This so, issue, you know, issue one of this is a sales pitch. It's like mm-hmm. here's your characters, here's how they're going to banter off each other, and oh, here's here's the the premise. This is you know we're yeah. not really getting to it in this issue yet, but here's what it is. 
we're going to break into Themyscira and steal someone. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing free- premise. Yeah. We're going to free them, not steal them. <laughs> well, still, but in yeah. the eyes of Themyscira, it's still yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean. And, like, maybe this kicks off some of the Amazon's attack stuff that we know is coming. Like, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. you know, but, and, and, you know, but, yeah, no, it's... And again, we, I've talked about Harley so many times. It's just she's become a character that I've come to enjoy. And so, getting the Kelly Thompson voice for Harley, and just you know that whole scene with with Cass as she's going, you know, and she picks up the uh, fish. All I could think of was was Charlie Day yelling wild, wild card. Yeah, bitches. wild card. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. That's and that was an artistic representation of that yeah. and what she brings to this squad. Right? Is she can fight cast to a standstill because she's making it up as she goes, you know. Uh, and so just to get across the characters in the way this creative team did, I'm very excited for more of this. Yeah, Bard is dying to view for the record. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> she's Frank. <laughs> So anyway, I started blasting. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> well, maybe that's more zealot than I'm thinking about it, actually. But yeah. still, whatever. Um, it was just funny in my head because she's the tallest one, and Diary of Vito is, of course, the opposite Diminutive. of that. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I love this first issue. I think I, li- I like the voices for the characters and the banter. I thought it flowed really well. Uh, Thompson's very good at having banter without it being overly wordy, so that feels great. And they are, honestly, I, I wasn't really familiar with Romero's art before, mm-hmm. but I really like how this looks. It feels like it fits the tone of the book perfectly. Um, yep. It's got a clear color scheme, um, the way it switches to the, the even more muted pastel, pastels for the, the flashbacks really good. And like I said, the, the way it dealt with the different fighting styles by doing different art sort of sequence styles, like, you know, one was a two-page spread, one was a, you know, a sequence of panels that were more chaotic all that stuff very, felt very intentional uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, like artistic choices were being made. Uh, so I think we're in very good hands here and uh, this is, you know, just an exciting addition to my, my DC pull list, if you will. Um, yeah. All right, were, were you rating uh, Birds of Prey issue one, Matt? I'm giving this a solid nine. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I agree with the nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If people get annoyed that we were too you know, uh, appraising of Tom Taylor. Well, I'm sorry, but Kelly Thompson's going to be similar. Like dur- During the <laughs> pandemic, I went and read every Kate Bishop thing that I could. So up until that point, 2021, 20, 2020, 2021, I'd read every issue Kate Bishop had showed up to. And I Kelly think, Thompson, through those, became one of my favorite writers. I think I only read the first trade of the Kate Bishop book, mm-hmm. but I did read all West Coast Avengers. I did read um, her... Uh, Rogan Gambit book, and I read whatever the other one she was doing around that time. I can't remember. She's done X23, right? No, I don't think so. Uh, she, she hasn't done Wolverine? No, because that was Taylor, which was great, and then Tamaki, right. which was still really good. Okay. Um, gotcha. And then I don't think Maybe I'm confusing because she shows up in Hawkeye. Yeah. So she, there's probably. She was doing Captain Marvel for ages. Uh, yeah. And I read a bit of that. It, was, it didn't mm-hmm. quite click with me as much as our other stuff did, but it, it, was, yeah. it was still good. Um,. But, yeah. So, yeah, Birds of Prey. Super excited for more uh, good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, there we go. Um, all right, next up, we have Shazam! Issue 3, Mark Wade writing with Dan Mora on the R. And Dan Mora said, look, I'm not just letting this Romero guy come in and just <laughs> yeah. take the best start of the week without a fight. So, Dan Mora is here to flex his yep. muscles as well. Uh, have no fear. Um yep. So obviously last week, you know, because this has been a couple of months since we had the last mm-hmm. issue because of 
night terrors <laughs> but the gods you know the ones that make up the shazam name mm-hmm. uh are, are basically messing with you know the captain is what we're calling them now when yeah. he's in shazam mm-hmm. form um because to regain control they want control and it's yeah to, to borrow a phrase from Shyamalan, they're they're grabbing the microphone or the spotlight <laughs> right uh so so yeah, which okay. I liked. I liked that. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. With you. That... When you said I'm borrowing a phrase from Shyamalan, yeah. I'm like I have no idea what he's about to say. <laughs> See, I, I'm I'm the wild card on the show, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, which I do like. That explains why Billy was acting the way that he was in you know the captain form. It also because... made me. It also made me think actually because that over the course mm-hmm. of this issue, Atlas is the one who wants to try and mess with them, and it mm-hmm. made me think: is it slightly different when it's a different god who's like influencing him? Mm-hmm. Like, is the attitude he's like you know coming out with, you know, more suited to that god? So uh, before it was you know like more this anger and like uh huh. It know. was well with with Solomon instead of Solomon the proud. So he was. You know, that's where he was yeah, boastful yeah. And, and stuff. And then it was with Hercules, it was uh, uh, headstrong. Yeah. Right? And, and then, so that's where he was a little bit more angry and reckless. And now with, with Atlas, there's a, a bit of pettiness, it seems. Yeah. And also, you know, also the idea that he can do anything that he's, ba- he's basically mm-hmm. devoid of wisdom. And it's like, oh, we yeah. could really use some wisdom right now. And he said, but yeah, so the cliffhanger of the last issue was Freddy eavesdropping on the gods in the, the Rock of mm-hmm. Eternity. Uh, the start of this issue is you, they catch him and they go to wipe his mind and I, for a split second I thought oh well that's fair enough I suppose but like what was the point of this if there's no consequence of him finding <laughs> anything and then just that last two panels was like oh and we're going to like turn you into our spy but so you, mm-hmm. don't, you don't know it, of course but you're going to be our eyes and ears and you're going to like keep an eye on Billy Batson for us so I'm like oh okay they've created this like sleeper agent spy in Freddy and that's like what we're doing mm-hmm. here so that, that's the setup, and then it turns out it's been a couple of weeks since then. Uh, so a little bit of time passes. Uh, yeah. Billy turned his Shazam fan page into a Metamorpho fan page just so that people would stop harassing him. And not just that, though. I feel like that's Wade, because now between World's Finest and now this, we've gotten so much Metamorpho. Yeah. I, and I feel like this is, you know... Wade turning this Shazam into a, you know, his era into a, a Metamorpho fan page. I mean, I got uh, a lot of Metamorpho this week because I read uh, Batman the Outsiders later. Uh, so there you, you go. There'll be more yeah. of him to talk about. Uh, so, yeah. What- <laughs> Just like Freddie was like, that was a terrible idea. He's like, yeah, I panicked. <laughs> so... <laughs> Billy's not turned into Shazam in two weeks, which is what's pissing off Atlas. He's like, it's my turn to mess with him and he keeps yeah. not turning into Shazam. So... Like, basically, they try and provoke. There's even a moment where Billy goes to intervene with a bully and gets mm-hmm. knocked down. Um, but, like, he doesn't... still doesn't turn. He's still, you know... But that that replays in his mind later on that night, except he's the bully and he's fighting Solemn Grundy. Like, he's kind of repeating uh-huh. the lines that... He's imagining himself as the captain, as Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. repeating the lines that the bully said as if he's the bully. So that's what he's scared of. He's scared of being the bully when he mm-hmm. becomes Captain Marvel. So he wakes up from that nightmare. Um, what was interesting is that he, he basically gets jealous and gets FOMO over the next like little while. He says that, you know, he's he's not turning into Shazam, but he's noticing, you know, Superman swooping in and saving people, Wonder Woman is. And what I thought was curious here is he mentions Mary Marvel, and there's a nice big, you know, panel of Mary Marvel looking, you know, mm-hmm. great in the costume. And um, I was like, 
Wait, so are her powers separate from his right now? Because yes, because the rest of the kids can't turn right now, right? Right. Yeah, because that's what uh, Eugene makes a dig at Billy. Yeah. Where he's like, yeah, I, I can't turn to Shazam. He's like, yeah, I know. What's that feel like? You know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, because I believe in the um, in that Mary Marvel mini that we read by Josie Campbell. Yeah, no, I remember this, but what, that's, I guess what I was getting at is that yeah. that's stuck from then, is that she her powers are completely disconnected from Billy's powers now. Right, and they're coming from feminine gods, and that's why I'm wondering if that's what yeah. her role in, in, in the upcoming stuff is now, is, you know, because her, her initials are from different gods, just like um, Black Adam's are, is they're not drawing from the same source. Yeah, it's really neat, actually. Because this, mm-hmm. just the, the casual mention of her also still being a superhero. And I, I especially mm-hmm. like when, I, you know, because she looks great in the costume with the, the reds and yep. the golds all popping, right? Mm-hmm. And what's really good about it is that it contrasts nicely with Billy, who's right next to her, uh, the way he's drawn like, over the top of all these panels. And yep. he's it's, they've got the Power Rangers slash Smallville thing where he's wearing red and yellow. He's got a red jacket and a yellow t-shirt. <laughs> so it really it it really sticks out when you put them side by side with Mary Marvel actually, you know, as you know, Miss yeah. Marvel or whatever you want to call her. Uh no, you can't call that that's a Marvel term. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's so it's, it's just Marvel. how it's so awkward with the, the Marvel word. <laughs> Damn I know. It. <laughs> and well and that's why he, that's why, you know, he became Shazam, right? And that's what he kind of made fun of because the wizard Shazam and yeah. it's just one of these things that I have I have all the faith in Wade in order he's gonna be able well, to it, it, take it, this all out. Well he's the one who's doing all this captain business. He's mm-hmm. sort of brought that back to just have it on mm-hmm. its own. Uh, but then he says, even Plastic Man saving people. And then he says, yeah. oh, no, the universe is just rubbing it in. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that yeah. was quite funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Wade's voice for these characters is great. But I, I love Atlas getting pissy. That he's like, mm-hmm. I want my turn. I'm supposed to have my turn of, of messing with him. Uh, and Zeus basically creates a disaster where a bus starts like driving all reckless. Mm-hmm. And is, basically everyone's going to die on it. So mm-hmm. Billy, despite the fact that he doesn't want to, he has to turn it to Shazam. And this is a gorgeous panel where he, he starts running mm-hmm. and, like, you know, the captain's, like, next to him running as well. It, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I love right before that is he's, he's looking, the, the bus is screening out of control in Philadelphia, right? And he yells for Mary, plastic man, metamorpho even. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? that, was, that was funny, yeah. Uh, somebody uh, help, and then... Even you know. even the art in that panel is really good because that's uh, mm-hmm. like the head turn. So he's looking one yep. way, and then there's like a sort of faint version of his head looking the other way, and it gives mm-hmm. the impression that he's he's looking around and like being like, yeah. "Anyone, please, superheroes." Yep. And, and that's where he turns, and got that that page is so good, just because what it does with the the there's no background; it's just like the shadows, right, and the lightning. So it really makes the red and everything pop. Yeah, the uh, the red, the gold, all pop. Mm-hmm. And then he, he stops the bus at the bottom. Very Superman-looking panel with him just yeah. sort of holding the bus. Uh, uh, but then there's a little slight twist here. This is, was not a bus full of people. This was a, a bus full of gorillas uh, from <laughs> Gorilla City. Un, unlike a United Nations trip. <laughs> yes. <you know? laughs> so Why not? Basically, basically, Alex's influence keep him transformed because he's like, yeah. "Yeah, I'll fly you to Gorilla City." So you get this big two-page spread of him, like you know, flying the mm-hmm. bus into the city. Um, uh, there's a page here actually. They're, they're keeping this subplot going where the mm-hmm. dinosaur uh, lawyer, whoever it is, is yeah. back at the house, and he's like, "Oh, we have to deal with these, uh, you know, the, the crimes that Billy Batson committed in issue one, and Tawny and Darla are the ones that have to deal with them." Um, and I, I actually lost it. It's just how absurd the whole thing is, and the, the art, of yeah. course, the expressions with Tawny and 
Darla looking at each other are great, uh-huh. but it was the way this dinosaur in the top hat and the monocle <laughs> said, my superiors are not to be trifled with, trust me, the earth they are not risk a visit from, and then in all capitals with like the, uh, uh-huh. the icicle, you know, speech bubble, the auditors. And I was just, I was imagining, like, dinosaur auditors are coming to earth. Uh-huh. <laughs> what? I, I love, love this. I, yeah, I love yeah. this book. That's, that's, this is the, the perfect amount of like Silver Age shenanigans that I would expect out of a Shazam book. Yeah, it's. And yeah. again, much like I liked about Birds of Prey, this feels different mm-hmm. to that in every other book. This feels very yeah. much its own book that nothing mm-hmm. else is dipping it's into. It's taken out its corner. I mean, here we get, we get the captain in Gorilla City. Like, yep. <laughs> you know? Uh, um, inclu- including uh, Atlas uh, influencing one yeah. of the gorillas as well. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of shenanigans going on here where they're manipulating things. Um, so, yeah. Um, and at one point, the wizard actually tries to intervene and say, oh, you're, you're putting everything in danger here. This is, a, this is, you're going too far. And Atlas pushes him to a side and says, you're not even a god, wizard. So it's almost like the wizard is starting to, if not sympathize with Billy, at the very least see how reckless this is getting. And is- well, that, that's not the wizard. That's Solomon. That's the wisdom. Because he tells him, Atlas, you don't. Yeah, he says you're not seeing the potential danger in this situation. You must permit oh, me to okay. amplify the captain's wisdom. And he's like, "Why should I? You're not even a god." Which it, he's not. Solomon's a, a, a biblical figure, you know. It like, was the, it was the beard and the fact that he said yeah. he's not a god. Uh, yeah. But fair enough. Okay. The, but so it makes I sense. Really it, it makes sense. Yeah. The one who's wise is saying this is going too far. So that still works. Right. right. Well, and then I also like too is as Hercules is goading him, right? So if you know your mythology, one of one of Hercules' tasks was to to relieve Atlas from holding up the world, mm-hmm. and so Hercules takes a, a dig. He's like, yeah. Also, part of his his power as well, influenced by you, is he's super gullible, you know. Um, uh, and that's where you know Atlas gives him the look. Um, yeah. So uh, here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing that goes on. So the gorilla in Gorilla City tells Shazam that there's an evil emperor on the moon, on the dark side of the moon, that <laughs> that has, has got like, some weapon that's going to obliterate us all. A secret rocket drive, it's called. Mm-hmm. And so the end of the issue is Shazam flying to the moon, and he's basically... His narration is really good here because he's basically convincing himself to like stay in this form. Yeah. Um, he's like, oh, this gorilla you know, convinced me to go to the moon and take out this emperor. Does that make any sense? Pause. Yep! He just believes yep. it. So it's basically like, yeah, there's no wisdom here. There's like nope. no wisdom whatsoever. He's just believing everything they tell him. Uh, so he gets attacked by some big like robot snake thing <laughs> at first. Yeah. Uh, this is where it gets goes completely, and, and pardon me, but it does go bananas. Sure. Because I was not expecting this. Yeah, and then the final page is this Emperor, Emperor Gargo, who, mm-hmm. uh, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce that anyway. I think so, or, uh, yeah... It's it heavy. ends with a UAX yeah. for anyone right. who, you know, uh, I don't know if it's maybe Gargoyle. Or, or Gargoax. It's not Gargoyle. No, it's not Gargoax, no? is it? That, it's, that definitely looks like a French thing. I could maybe. be wrong. I could be wrong. He's an alien, know. though. Anyway, um, yeah, it's this big green dude who's an emperor and he's, yeah, he's, he's got Captain Marvel pinned down um, and uh, you've come to declare war against this moon. Uh, I accept the challenge, and it says next time Moon War. So this is going places. I, I don't, like, I what I could say about it. I love the status quo of the gods all taking their turns 
messing with Shazam. Mm-hmm. I like the subplot with the dinosaur like lawyer with Darla and Tawny. I like this established thing that Mary's still a superhero. There's like there's not really a single plot beat in this that I either don't enjoy as good character development or mm-hmm. just a good bit of like zany fun. Like all of it's working for me. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Well, and then we get an Emperor of the Moon, right? Who wants to yes. launch a rocket at Gorilla City. Like this is when you're just trying to describe the events of this book. It's like you're just rambling stuff, <laughs> but it, it's well told throughout. You know, there's a clear line in all of these. Yeah. Um, by the way, this this Emperor guy is a Doom Patrol villain from the... Really? Okay. Yeah, first appearance was in Doom Patrol 91 from 1964. Um, oh, he's a really so, old Doom Patrol villain. Then. Yeah, yeah. So again, okay. it's it's Wade, you know... I mean, I'm not surprised. Muscle. Yeah, Wade pulls obscure shit out mm-hmm. of, like, the like his DC brain. It's... Yeah. Yeah, that's not a surprise. Uh, had a great time. Obviously, we mentioned some of the art, but obviously the art is fantastic. Uh, Mora's yep. stuff is is gorgeous. Um, we we've really been spoiled for art this week so far. Yes, like it's, yes. It's going to make it very tough, but come to the end of the show. Yeah, even despite my misgivings about Batman, uh, mm-hmm. it was Jimenez it on art. So yep. like, yeah, I, yeah. There's not been yeah. a bad bad art. No. But yeah, that's far. That was a weird but, yeah, sense, no. but yeah, a lot of fun. Um. Without parroting too much of, of Pete, though, too. I do like the God stuff and, and their inner bickering, too, because I'm sure yeah. that's going to be key, you know, through there. And where where is the wizard? I know that's a, a plot line that, that Wade started throughout. Um, and is, you know, is his is him not being there also, you know, like him being on the Rocket Fraternity, is that what was keeping all the gods in check? Because they're also kind of acting like the seven deadly sins. So I'm also wondering if maybe the sins are influencing the gods because the rock return is out of balance or whatever. Uh, there's know? only six of them though, right? True. <laughs> uh, we throw an exclamation in there. We get a seven. Uh. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it just, it feels a more, maybe it's, maybe it's a, a take on that too, that these, these gods also have their own flaws and those, those come through. But I suspect that's where the arc might mm-hmm. dip into by the time we get to the yeah. end of it. Uh, all right, what are you giving Shazam issue three? I'm gonna give this a solid eight. Yeah, um, I'll go a nudge higher and say eight point five. I think it was really good. Uh, this was, I, I was, you know, this was like proper books are back, no night terrors. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Batman out the way. I was in heaven at this point. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that is Shazam issue three. Justice Society of America, issue six. Jeff Johns writing with Marco Santucci on the art. So not Yannin. Um, nope. That was something that I noticed immediately. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. we have we <laughs> have lost. Yeah, distinctly not Yannin. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say the art's bad. It's, it's, it's solid yeah. for what it is. It's probably the weakest art we've talked about so far, but that's yeah. not a knock on it. It's just because the art no. caliber this week's been high so it's far. It's still pretty good, though. Like... Yeah. And some of the comparative weeks, uh, this would be a runner, you know. It's, but uh, just from where it opens up with these iconic shots of of superheroes, you know. Hmm. Like, I think Santucci art really lends itself to that DC. I think you call it the house style, right? It, that's um, that's what I was going to say. Itself, He's kind yeah. of like a... 
he's almost house style but he's just got enough personality in the art to just sort of right. go a little bit beyond that so yeah. it, it basically picks up with the the moment we ended with last time which was mm-hmm. uh star girl coming with judy and this makes it clear yeah this is them yep. just coming back from the island with all these kids that vanished mm-hmm. from time and it seems like when they're reunited with someone, the person they're reunited with will remember them, like at that moment. But they're you know, J- very similar to Wally and Barry. Yeah, kinda. Uh, which I guess makes sense since that was also John's. But yeah. uh, Jay didn't know about her beforehand, though. He didn't think he had a kid uh, until right. he sees her, and then it all sort of like comes rushing in. <laughs> Jay Garrick, you are the father. Right. <laughs> uh, and they talk about how oh this is there's like sonic booms mm-hmm. going off everywhere as they're like catching up around yep. everyone uh meanwhile uh bruce has bought helena uh helena wayne that is uh yeah. an apartment in washington near the gsa and she kind of gets offended by sort of thinking oh you want me in washington away from gotham so you don't have to deal mm-hmm. with me and he's like hey no i thought you wanted to be with the jsa i mean if you want to come to gotham and they do a bit of continuity stuff here where she's like mm-hmm. ah nah you and mum are about to have a pretty big fight i'm gonna, i'm just gonna stay yeah. here um well, yeah because yeah. he says and it's new york near the near oh the, sorry sorry it's new york yeah. not washington sorry um, i'm thinking right. i'm thinking of wonder woman sorry yeah and so but um yeah, she gets upset because, you know, you tell the world I'm your long-lost cousin. I get it. You don't have to explain why you have an adult daughter, you know. But, you know, she's, she's kind of upset that he's kind of keeping distance. But I understand it, you know. like Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah it's weird. Also, good art touch there is, is Bruce's shadow has the bad ears on it. Oh, I didn't uh, even notice that. Page. That's very that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. Uh, they've yeah. also got the Power Rangers style thing going here where yeah. Helena's wearing purple. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though she's in street clothes, um, yeah, I, I, I think this makes enough sense. It is kind of interesting that she'll never. Well, I mean, she does exist because she's like a anomaly, but she'll never be right. born now. You know, they'll never right. really have this kid. Not this version, anyways. Yeah. You know, so right. that's a really so. interesting thing to deal with. Uh, mm-hmm. The GSA are looking to try and like take all the other missing kids back to where they belong. Uh, unfortunately, though, most of them have been missing since the 40s, and a lot of them don't have someone to go to because their loved ones have grown up, they've died, you know, so on. Uh, we get a, a conversation between Dr. Fate, Khal- uh, Khalid, right? Uh, yep. And uh, Salem the Witch Girl. Mm-hmm. Is that what she's called? Yep. Yeah. Salem the Witch Girl with her um, uh, her broom sweep, yeah. which I think is a, a nice touch. Um, this is where I needed to tag Connor in. Because, you know, he loves Dr. Fate like I love the Flash characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting this really quick rundown of the, the Fate <laughs> history, I needed mm. to be like, yo, condense this for Honestly, me, the, the, the fact that there's been two different guys named Kent Nelson is so confusing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And so, like, I know Connor would have a way of, of expelling, you know, getting it down to, to where we go. Um but yeah, oh, I, I kind of. He'd be like slipping on a banana peel. He'd be slipping I, around. He'd be. Not, he'd be rolling around comes... in his own poop like a. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just had a visual of him like when he got attacked, attacked by the dog, uh, of him slipping in the oh, doo yeah. So do you know me and Connor are doing Smallville? Yes. All right. Oh no! We, oh no! We, we got to an episode in season two. This review's not out yet. It, yes. it won't be out publicly till like February or something like that. But good lord. Yeah, it was because we're reposting like, the co-op versions of all the season gotcha. one videos that we already did before. But uh, it'll be on Patreon in the next couple of weeks. But we got to episode where there's like, a Native American shapeshifter, right? And they, they turn into a wolf. 
But to be honest, it's a white wolf, and it looks just kind of like a, a dog. I mean, they've got it growling, yeah. but when the dog was, like, attacking someone, and I'm like, this doesn't feel like a werewolf or anything like that. I just thought I was like, this, yeah. this must look like what it was like when you got attacked. That's just this cute little dog. It's just fine. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, I'm sure he took that well. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Um, uh, but, yeah, what, what, you know, back, back to the JSA. I do like that there seems to be some contention between Salem and... Be, because Salem was meant to be the protege to her, Doctor Fate. The fact that there's this someone that's kind of usurping the helm, right? She's kind of not okay someone with someone who's probably really close to her age. Like he's probably he's, yeah. Kelly's probably still older than her, but not by much. Mm-hmm. You know, right? So you know, I, I do like that there's that tension between them, and we kind of got hints that you know Salem the witch girl she had something to do with the undoing of the Justice Society from helena's time right in the future yeah well she says Um, here that she's basically cursed that she can't get close to anyone so she's intentionally very rude to everyone Mm -hmm. uh so that's i get it that's setting up some stuff uh cherry bomb like uh dr midnight's trying to help her and see Mm -hmm. if they can cure her uh yolanda's awol right now Mm -hmm. so it jumps around a lot of characters they're just setting things up because wildcat comes in and asks uh, midnight where yolanda is right uh, and she's she's not there um we have um who's this b character that's ladybug ladybug uh, thank you this, this is the one that made me real sad just because of the way that that she had no parents to come back to and then just the realization that the parents never knew what happened to her right yeah it's like the parents who get to reunite now get to remember mm-hmm. and get all their memories right? back but the ones who have died like They'll never yeah. know that their kid was all right, and that right. And and it's not even that they, they, they feel lost either because they didn't remember yeah. they existed. Right. Yeah. Right. So so it's really, yeah. This, it's really sad. Yeah. It's, it's really sad, and just the, the idea that her, you know, her person was the red bee, and that the red bee's like great grandniece or granddaughter has this bee farm now, but um, you know, so it's almost like she has no, she, she never left an imprint right yeah. like all of this stuff is ultimately for nothing and just just her crying on courtney's shoulder right that was it's a where john's is really working well uh luckily though there's a bee named michael that shows up who yes. somehow survived all this time it's a magic bee <laughs> apparently it, it, yeah. it, he ain't got nothing on anthony i'll tell yeah. you that much uh and then we have this alternate version of steel who's steel's mm-hmm. grandfather's brother Right. Uh, to which she says, no idea what that makes us. I'm pretty sure it makes you his great uncle. But, yeah, you know. that's, it's okay. <laughs> Whatever. He, he's a simple man that swings a hammer. I'll allow it. Yeah. It sort of rushes through a couple of the other ones because mm-hmm. they don't get as much time. Uh, but it goes... You, you, TNT, is he with... Who's he with? Uh, I know he's punching a Nazi, which I'm always fine with. Is, is that supposed to be Adam Smasher? I, I, thought, it was, I thought that was maybe Adam Smasher, yeah. Okay. Because the mask looks a little bit different to me, so I got a little bit confused. Well, because he's, yeah. he's not called TNT. He says, do you, have you ever considered right. calling yourself TNT? Yeah. Uh, so, um, right. if it's not Atom Smasher, I'm not sure who it's meant to be, but I, I thought yeah. it was Atom Smasher. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then the, uh, the the Mr. Terrific kid, the, whatever his name, uh, his name is. Whatever his name is, yeah. yeah. Uh, Junior Terrific is what I'm going to call uh, him. So... Yeah. But yeah, we come back to Huntress, who's with Power Girl, and she's like, hey, we're the ones who built my version of the GSA mm-hmm. in the future. So why can't we recruit some of these people earlier? And a lot of our members were people who found redemption. It was people who mm-hmm. were villains that we brought over to the good side. Why can't we make this world better by having that 
those things earlier. And before we get to this last page, I'll just say that, yeah. well, I mean, arguably, they may have to go through more of their dark times before they're yeah. ready to have those redemptive moments, but you know, I get our logic here of like trying to do yeah, it earlier. Legacy is not just for the heroes, right? Yeah, and I think yeah. that, that's what Helena's point is, right? Because she is the daughter of a superhero, and I wouldn't call Catwoman a supervillain, right? But she's not always on the hero side. She's definitely so, rode the line a bit. <laughs> yeah, and so just the idea that, you know, legacy can, you know, you shouldn't be bound by just the one side of your legacy, that you should be able to offer redemption to people. And I do, that fits in very well with the, the Wayne family. Yeah. Right? So the reveal at the end is is that the first person she wants to try and convince uh, to join the GSA is Solemn Grundy. So that's <laughs> a, that's our cliffhanger for. Yeah. So this arc feels like yeah we're we're not doing a big villain this arc we're doing like sort of recruitment we're doing like mm-hmm. how these characters are going to reintegrate into a team if they are going to be on the team. Um, and I, I enjoyed this as a nice change of pace from that, you know, because, you know, the last few issues were all this big yeah. Degaton fight, we're dealing with time mm-hmm. and stuff. It was nice for characters to slow down, okay, let's talk about the effects of this on everyone, and the, the emotional moments where, yeah, uh, Ladybug realizes that her parents will never know she existed. Mm-hmm. Um, that is quite a good observation. It is a good, like, uh, thing mm-hmm. to acknowledge with these characters. So, yeah, I had a good time. Uh, mm-hmm. And Stanley Tucci's art, you know, it's got the heavy inks, which is which is fine. Um, it has a look. Mm-hmm. The the only thing that's really a knock against it, because it often looks quite good. There's even times when it's almost viewing into Gary Frank territory, almost, not yeah. quite, but almost. You you can definitely tell the influences there, though. Absolutely, um, yeah. particularly in the faces occasionally. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, the the one knock against it is that we had Mikel Yannon <laughs> for the first five mm-hmm. issues and I, it did take me a few pages to be like just accept that and move on yeah but they are, was, are art, still good yeah art art looks nice colors are nice cons not yannon <laughs> not like, yeah pretty, pretty so. much pretty much mm-hmm. but I, I enjoyed the issue um i like uh, again I, I like that it feels like a pure ensemble it's not um mm-hmm. doing anything else it's not just Helena's book. It's not just Jay's book, right? We're yeah. getting a little bit in there. But we are, I, I, but we are getting those minis and stuff coming, yeah. which is nice. So that's what I was just gonna say is I'm very, I'm looking forward to the Jay and Judy book that's coming out. Mm. Uh, just because that was that was a very heartwarming, you know, thing. Is is him? You know, I'm just a sucker for Flash reunions, I guess. And yeah. you know, and, and just the whole idea is that he's the Flash, she's the Boom. It's such a hokey '40s thing, and you know. John's has a knack for that. And uh, for so. anyone who's wondering why I don't hate that, because I tend to hate things being re- or characters being mm-hmm. retconned into characters' past, mm-hmm. I don't mind it in this case because it's literally a retcon to the character and they react yep. as such. Mm-hmm. It's when they try and pretend that there's just someone in the backstory we've never heard about. The whole time. That was always yeah. there, yeah. That, that's that's yeah. where I take more umbrage. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. This would be bullshit if they do it a lot. But if they're going to pull a Dawn once in a while, I can mm-hmm. get on board with it. <laughs> And Don from which show? That's the hit television show, Matt. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So there you go. go. Uh, all right, what are you giving Just Society of America issue six? I'm going to give this an 8.5. Yeah, I... I'm going to go the straight eight. We're, we're flipping yeah. from Shazam. I'm going to go the straight oh, eight, boy. but it's still very good. Yep. Still really liking it and liking what they're doing with the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited for more. Uh, hopefully, maybe now that Yannon's off the book, maybe the one upside is that it'll stick to a monthly schedule. <laughs> maybe that's yeah. the one good side of this. Uh, all right. Moving on. Poison Ivy, issue 14. Mm-hmm. G. Willow Wilson writing with Marcio Takara on the art. Yes, it's so nice to have Takara back on art. Uh, it's, you know, again... Oh, how many spoiled... issues was he missing? 
Uh, just for the um, the Night Terrors. Oh, stuff, okay. Right? I see. I see. Yeah. So, and then I think one before because it was a kind of an interlude. But this is Pam getting back on on her stuff in Gotham, right? So she has the the house in, in Slaughter Swamp that Croc told her about, and so she goes to investigate it, and she finds this uh, dead body that looks like it's her handiwork with a flower left on its face. And she can't figure out, you know, what caused this guy to die? Was he frightened to death? Was it poison? Um, no, it's just, it's a dead body and the flower is left as a warning. So, um, she's like, I, I really need to figure this out cause I need, I need a base. Right. So she starts going through and she sees that it's held by undying holdings. Um, she tries to figure out where she's heard that name before, so she calls Janet from HR, who's crashing at Harley's. And it's this really nice page where she's laying on what looks like a cot uh, in a Wonder Woman shirt. But you look around her, and it's just all a bunch of zany Harley Quinn stuff. So there's, like, all of her bats lined up against the wall. Um, there's the hyena collars for her two, you know, pet hyenas. And then just, like, fireworks surrounded by her. And for so uh, just... Ivy to wear on a kinky night. Or, or that. Um Get out of my fantasy, sir. Um, <laughs> so um, she she calls and wakes Janet up, and she's like, I, I need you to do your Janet from HR stuff, right? Um, you know, get get into your your human uh, resources. And she asks her about Undin Holdings, and turns out it's this developer that came in during No Man's Land um, named, uh, where's he at? Uh, Peter Undine. But there's nothing about him. It's just a photo. And so Ivy's like, oh, of course. This all goes back to, you know, when, of course, we had all these developers coming in post No Man's Land. You know, Luther led the way. Everyone else left, but it seems like not everyone did. Um, so that's where, where Pam's heading to next. Ivy pops in and they, you know, wants to break the, the tension with, with Janet because she kind of can, can feel this. You know, there's something that's not quite right with janet from hr uh janet's feeling guilty because you know her and her and pam hooked up during the you know uh the mushroom fest back at the the influencers time um and uh harley's kind of like yeah you know i might as well try to get along with you it's gonna make pam happy and that's you know kind of what i'm trying to do right now um as Pam's going through this this house in the swamp, um, she basically, for lack of a term, starts tripping balls, right? She opens this door, and it looks like one of those M.C. Escher paintings where all of the, the stairwells go bleed into each other, right? And she's like, well, this, I can't, this, this can't be right. Right, I poison and stuff doesn't affect me. So what is going on here? Is it some kind of illusion? Is it a trap? Um, so she starts, you know, moving backwards, and she can start seeing her pheromone signature. So that's how she starts to get out of this this maze. But then it leads her to a dead end to where she started. But there's there's more. So, you know, she starts, you know. There's like she hears like a, a grumbling, runs off in a different direction because she thinks that there's got to be a scientific explanation. You know, she's still a scientist. Uh, Janet from HR goes to uh, like an interview with a HR lady, and she starts digging for news or for any information about this Peter Undine, where she kind of gets the puff piece 
uh, on him that, oh, yeah, he's this great guy and he wants to redevelop Gotham for the better. And that's his mission from the start. And um, but what's what he's found is or what she finds is that he's used this proprietary steel uh, that's used on the thing. And um, uh, he he hides toxic waste in it. Right. And so that might be what's causing Pam's reactions in this building. Um, uh, Janet realizes that she's not going to get the job. So uh, she leaves a call. Uh, Pam, Pam's not answering. Uh, and she ends up having a run in with Batman. Uh, so Batman comes in and he looks terrifying. So Takara does this really good job of putting him all in shadow. So he looks more like a creature. The main problem is, is that this is during the daytime, right? So he has to have an excuse to get Janet down this this alley. Um, but Batman comes in and kind of like tries to shake her down. Um, she also get away from him. But then Bruce steps out of the shadows to see him more human. And the creepy thing in this scene is that Batman's smiling. So almost doesn't feel like Batman. Like it's very off-putting. And I don't know if that's... Wilson making a commentary on just seeing Batman happy is unsettling. Or if it's, you know, this is maybe not Batman because he's talking in black speech bubbles. Um, but it might be Batman because he lets her know that he knows exactly who Janet is, pulled all her records, you know, where she went to business school. She was a lacrosse player. You know, it doesn't sh strike him as, you know, normal that, She's a sidekick for a terrorist, so there's something up. Um, and he tells her, like, get away from Pam before things get bad. This is not your 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 realm. Um, so how does Janet respond to this? She doesn't tell, Bat tell Batman, hey, chill. She panics and hits him with her purse, which does stun him. And he just looks at her and is like, seriously? Uh, and then she takes off where, where Harley ends up grabbing her and is like, did you really hit Batman with your purse? Because that's not, that's not a good sign, right? What what do you think was going to happen? Um, and she's like, you know, I, I didn't think that was just my first reaction. Um, and then she's like, well, you know, I think we need to talk because, like, there, there's this tension between us. Um, but first, you know, uh, we, we need to make this about Pam, right? So... As they're kind of they're talking, they end up leaning in and they kiss. Um, and it cuts back to Pam. She's running around in this building. She sees like this, almost like these blue like orbs materializing down the hallway. Um, and when she turns around, it's this guy in a blue suit with a blue flower on his face. And, you know, asks if, you know, she's alarmed because, again, these transformations are always alarming. And this building, uh, like me, is about to become something else. Um, so it, it leaves it here with whoever, you know, left the message for her. It's almost kind of like a new Floronic man, uh, but he has a flower for a face in that it might be tied into this undine, or undine holdings, putting toxic waste in their proprietary steel. Um, yeah, and then... It's seeming like we're having a, a very, I don't even want to call it a love triangle because it is this messy nest, right? The, you know, Janet from HR is getting herself into. Uh, but Takara's art is top notch. There's, even in just the, 
pages that are conversations, there's a tension to them where it, it's very cinematic where you're waiting, you know, to see where this exactly goes. And, you know, when Janet and Harley share this kiss just out of nowhere, it really is shocking. Uh, and not in like this, you know, oh, my God, the, these two are, are making out or whatever. It's like, what is going on story-wise story in a good way and not like a it doesn't make sense. So um, still enjoying this book. I, you know, this this flower guy, I'm, I'm hoping it's not just a return to uh, – what's his name? The Flanic Man, Harley's, Harley's main villain. Uh, I hope it's uh, – Woodrow. I hope it's not just a return to him. I hope this is, you know – doing something new. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's still Pam, you know, trying to be, trying to be a villain, but finding yourself in heroic situations. So, um, uh, the art's really strong. So it's probably going to carry a lot of this, but I'm going to give this an eight. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, fire and ice. Welcome to Smallville issue one. This is Joanne Starer or Starer mm -hmm. maybe. And mm -hmm. Natasha Bustos on the art. So, yeah, this was like a weird book that was popped up in the solicits a few months ago and we're like, oh, mm -hmm. what is this? Um, and the premise is kind of... Basically, the two of them move to Smallville and take over this old salon that's been left abandoned. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't really get a lot of details other than Superman recommended they go to Smallville to chill out for a yep. bit and, you know, mm -hmm. recalibrate, you know, learn some small-town vibes... And come out the better. Although I suspect this is more about fire than it is ice, because she's the one with the temper. Uh, yeah, and it, it stemmed from that action comics or the Power Girl special, right? Which you didn't mm, read. No, I didn't. Right? Okay. Yeah. Good point. So that was a uh, uh, fire and Guy Gardner got into it, which you get a little clip of in this, mm -hmm. which leads Superman to be like, yeah, "You guys need to go somewhere to chill that's far away from." You know, prying eyes, basically. Why don't you go back to my hometown? Yeah. Oh, and there's a little so. tease at the start as well. Actually, that the the building <laughs> they're in is going to be. Uh, burning down at the end yeah. of the story mm -hmm. and then we cut back to was it two weeks earlier so yeah uh, so yeah it's them moving in they've got a robot um who i believe is one of superman's from the fortress because his name's elron which mm -hmm. is a little bit too close to the founder of scientology for me but whatever's <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, well it's funny um, not, not that i think that's a reference to that but um yeah. i was very mixed on this book and one of the mm -hmm. reasons why i was mixed is some of the weird pop culture referencing that was being kind of shoved yeah. in was kind of distracting to me. What's weird is, is that there's one or two that I think are fine until they take it too far. There's this character who shows up and basically begs for a job because she used to work in the salon. <sighs> and they give her, you know, a job. And she starts saying, uh, her name's like Nan or something like that. She's like, yeah. Nan is back, back again. And I'm like, okay, whatever. That's a cute character moment, I guess. Mm -hmm. But then someone walks in and says, wait, why are you singing Eminem? And she goes, what's an Eminem? And I, I, I was like, what is this? Page. Like, like it was fine when it was just the first bit, but you've, you've, you're driving it yeah. into the ground with weirdness now. Are, are we not supposed to like that girl? Because I, I, I don't. I think you're supposed to like her well enough. I think it's just supposed to be okay. like the, the fiery sort of like intrusive character that comes in and spurs I, spurs our characters into action by actually making them run this place and whatever which else I, I get but man she comes off really i know she's 19 too and i might just be my distaste for teenagers you know um uh, yeah but but yeah she was she was a lot yeah she was a lot I, and honestly this is 
kind of a it's almost serendipitous that this came out this week because Mm -hmm. this is exactly the opposite of what i was saying about birds of prey this is going for the banter back and forth Mm -hmm. but it's very wordy and it you know it really fills up the pages there's a lot of bubbles and i i I do think it hinders it where i could see the humor like coming through occasionally Mm -hmm. like there, there was the odd likable moment and things like that but I was really struggling uh, at points to so, yeah. I'm like I don't think it's a bad comic per se, but mm. about halfway through I was like, you know what? I think I know this isn't for me. <laughs> gotcha. I so I like the majority of it, but I, I agree on the banter. It became a lot where I just started to skim, just because I get it. Tora and and B, they're best friends. They're not seeing eye to eye right now, right? Tora wants B to, to calm down. Just, just but, because they're not yeah. A-listers. They're just Tora's ice and Tora's ice and B's, B's fire. fire. Yeah, right? just, 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 just for... Because yeah. people might not know them. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm still basing this off of our love of human target, where they were very familiar sure. to me, yeah. right? So I, I feel like I still um, call their ice like almost all the time, though. <laughs> you do. Um, I'm trying to, trying to make it feel more uh, familiar, right? Um... But it's just you get the fact that they, they, they are friends, right, and that they want the best for each other, but they're not being communicative, like, at all, and it's going to be, you know, through this, you know, together in Smallville is going to, you know, make or break them, right? I mean, the, the, uh, the, main, I, th- the main thing that the book kind of revolves around is Fire trying to encourage supervillains to come to Smallville because she wants a fight. So she yep. posts an invitation on YouTube, effectively, and... Mm-hmm. Within like minutes, King Shark is like storming down the main street of Smallville. Yeah. Uh, a couple of his Does, bits did make me laugh a little bit. Yeah, but well, just because I think of, of King Shark, we have this idea of him, um, and he's just kind of this brutish oaf, right? And he just comes in and does the brutish oaf thing that he's looking for them, and he has two rows of teeth, and he's gonna smash them up on, on both of them. And puny humans only have one row of teeth; they they're no match for me, right? There's some silliness there. Uh, but the, the point I was getting at is I, I know where this is going, but I enjoy the interactions for the most part between Fire and Ice. Uh, I just there was a little bit too much of it in this first issue, right? I kind of wanted to, to space it out and have them have them interact with the people of Smallville a little bit more, not just Ma Kent, which I do like having Ma Kent there. It, it has the tie to the Superman book, right? Beyond just Smallville, and that she wants the best for for these two girls. You know, in the mom can't wait. And, um, but yeah, it's just, it was a lot of repetition and a lot of the same, like, fire and ice having the same argument about, uh, fire being too fiery and ice not, you know, believing in herself enough. And, and it, was, it was a yeah, lot. Yeah. And ice basically says she's done being a superhero, uh, mm-hmm. which makes fire storm off after the whole yeah. incident because Superman shows up to deal with King Shark, right. uh, which fire is very disappointed about. Uh, but she ends up doing another social media media video and basically asked an 18 year old, uh, yeah. "What do you use?" Because there's no way Superman's following the same things that you do, <laughs> uh, yeah. and you know that's the thing that it, it goes. Um, but yeah, uh, basically uh, the issue ends with Fire. What's the name of this character? Of the of the assistant. Not the assistant, the no. girl. No, 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 no. The the, oh. the alien dude she phones at the end. Oh, uh, that's Ambushbug. Uh, thank you, thank you. I was forgetting yes. his name. Gotcha. Uh, she phones Ambushbug and asks, mm-hmm. uh, basically, if you know, like, if I pay you, can you let me kick your ass on camera? 
mm-hmm. because she wants to again use more social media to try and draw in some action yeah. and in a slightly creepy line ambush bug in the final page says lady i'd pay you for that so he's a kinky little shit who wants to get beat yep. up by tough ladies. But hey, I ain't kink shaming. Nope. But yeah. So. But yeah, yeah. Is, I wanted to like this book more, and I really did like the art though. I thought the art was was easily the best part for me. Um, I like the the way the page breakdowns work, and it does feel a bit of that homey small townness, and it really makes them feel like fishes out of water. Um, mm. but yeah, I just wish the writing was stronger. I'm going to, I'm going to hang on. If, if this comes out on a busier week, like I start getting piled up, it, it might get dropped, but you know, for now I'm going to keep it going. Yeah. The art was, was fine for me. I think, I think the overall line work is actually pretty good, it, but the faces themselves, uh, felt just maybe a little too flat, uh, for me okay. at times, but I mean, the art, I don't have too many complaints about the art though. Uh, I, yeah, for for me, I kind of I'm done. Like, I don't think I'm reading this year too. Yeah. It was just it was very clear about halfway through that I'm like, there's a very particular type of like young writer writing style that's like this, you know, writing these hip characters that talk too much and make too many pop culture references. Because I mean, I didn't even mention what the other one was, but there was one after the M and M one that felt really weird as well. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. A lot of social. Go ahead. It was a movie or something. I can't remember what yeah. it was. Yeah, it's not ringing a bell for me, but I will say I'm a little bit tired of social media popping up. And, like, I know it's everywhere and stuff, but, like, you know, I don't need to be constantly reminded about social media stuff in comics. And I feel like a lot of these younger writers are trying to go out of their way to make it, because I feel like it's going to date things a lot, right? I mean, you know, we don't really know how much it'll date things just because we don't know what does social media look like in 10 years. We have no idea. Right. Um, but, but I mean, there, there is a, there's a, a line that is about MySpace, but they don't call it MySpace. Oh yeah. Right? It's like, a, well, I, I, actually, yeah, that was one of the pop culture yeah. things that I hated yeah. was, uh, mm-hmm. it was called like, uh, my, my, my place, my place. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. And it's like, who uses my place anymore? And yeah. I was like, oh, come on, give me, give me a break. Yeah. That was uh, the stuff with me. And, and looking back on it just now, uh, it is very wordy and it did take me a minute to get through it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. real mixed bag for me. Uh, what are you giving the issue? Man? I'm, I'm giving this a seven. Yeah. I, I got to go a bit lower than that. I, I think, uh, I'll give it a six. Uh, I, I don't think it's like, I, I think there's definitely an audience that will appreciate it. But for me, the dialogue was less witty and more trying to be witty. And it didn't click with me, so... Uh, that is that. Uh, Alright, next up we have City Boy, issue 4. Greg Pak writing with Minkai Zhang on the art. So we, he was on his way to Bloodhaven at the end of last issue mm-hmm. to see where his mum went. Mm-hmm. He and, can follow memories, which we know that he can. Yeah, he focuses enough now. And, and he, they do a good job of reminding yeah. you at the start of this issue that he's not seeing mm-hmm. ghosts. These are the no. memories of the city, so they're mm-hmm. not something he can interact with. They're just right. playback. He can't interact with them, and he can, if he focuses enough, he can pinpoint certain ones. Yeah, right. So I think I think Pack does a good job of explaining that, and the art follows through because they do look like ghosts but they're a little bit different right yeah like, yeah it's easy to, it's, it's easy to see yeah. why as a mm-hmm. writer he said i have to yep. make this clear yep. that these are not ghosts mm-hmm. uh so 
basically he sees the the mom like when she left the city she met up with another man and a kid so she had a family and he is kind of struggling internally that he wants to like find where she is now Mm -hmm. but he wants to walk away and say you know what she left me for another life with another family i should let i should let her go because she turned her back on me she 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 Mm -hmm. gave me up and went and had a family i should not want to but he's kind of struggling with that internally. He kind of wants to. Yeah. Uh, and he's sort of freaking out a little bit uh, because the memory, and I wasn't even sure if this was in continuity still, but mm-hmm. turns out the nuclear bomb that went off in Bloodhaven uh, during Dark Crisis uh, is still mm-hmm. in continuity because he starts experiencing the memories of that happening, which is actually very horrific and is a very interesting thing to, to do with this character specifically when he's in Bloodhaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Nightwing shows up, uh, they met in one of the Lazarus Planet special things uh, yep. back when. Uh, and just like before, this avatar of the city kind of appears out of uh, like the metal fence and stuff. And it ends up being quite small. It's this little bat thing. A uh, little upset about that. Why, why are you so upset about that? It is Bloodhaven. We could have got another creature, right? But like, why does it have to be a bat? Like, Why did the Metropolis one have to be a dragon? I don't know. I, I don't know, but that's my thing. Is like, if we're gonna play that game, then I get like Gotham being a bat, right? But maybe that's the point, though. Is that Gotham's actually like a? Well, Gotham, a, Gotham looks like a rat. It's like a pony. Right. It's a pony. We got, we got we got a pony in Gotham. It's actually Bloodhaven that's more connected with the bats. It's, it's Bruce Wayne that's done all this bat association nonsense. Sure, I just I don't know. I just felt like Bloodhaven. Like we, I don't know. I don't know why it needed to be a bat. I, that, that's I all. Mean, it's, it's bat-esque. I wouldn't quite call it... I mean, oh yeah, I mean the face is pretty batty, but... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, so, basically, Dick wants help with finding this woman, Jeannie uh, mm-hmm. uh, Wynn, and City Boy's not really interested that much, but his ears perk up when it turns out this woman works with Inner Gang and she's went missing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, okay, all right, so we're going to look for... Her. Uh, not that this partnership goes that well, because mm-hmm. they find this lighter on the roof when they're going looking, and he remembers this backstory uh, of the woman of this of this woman they're looking mm-hmm. for. And when she was a girl, uh, her dad was killed in the nuclear explosion, and then yeah. she was homeless, got beat up, but then eventually joined the gang, and then that kind of led her on her path to enter mm-hmm. gang ultimately. And City Boy's thing here is that he's sympathetic and thinks, no, she shouldn't be taken down. This is a woman that deserves to be sort of saved almost yep. uh and he's like no you can't just send her to prison so that that's what he debates with nightwing um and what's funny is that I, even though dick um because he just says over and over again he's going to take care of it uh, mm-hmm. i've got it from here he never actually says that he's going to just throw her in prison no uh, it's it's city boy uh um projecting right he's, he's making assumptions yeah he's, yeah he's 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 jumping the gun obviously dick's going to send her to like a, a place for help that's what he says right. later on uh, which is not a surprise to us because we obviously know Dick quite well. Uh, right. But the bat avatar thing for uh, Bloodhaven gets bigger and City Boy flies it after Dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it turns out, and this is the one thing that's a little bit weird. I don't know if like it's meant to be a trap uh-huh. uh, or if it's just, it just, it just so happened to encounter her just as inter, inter-gang finder and they're all there with their guns mm-hmm. ready to fire. But uh, when D- Dick sort of runs into her and like dives at her and protects her from the gunfire while City Boy crashes in, and then the scientist dude who was experimenting on City Boy mm-hmm. shows up 
and he's like aha yes you're controlling the city and then the city starts expanding all the concrete starts like mm-hmm. transforming again and city boy has to uh, focus and kind of you know really like stop it from happening uh right. appeal to reason for the little bloodhaven bat yeah so no yeah, i mean that's interesting stuff uh the idea that yeah you're going to be like you're going to build the one big city over the entire planet the dark side right. wants to rule that's the that's the plan here is they want him mm-hmm. to build a po- new apocalypse right and, and that's why i feel like he he felt the same with this genie character right is that he feels like she had no agency in her life and that's how he's feeling right from the time that his mom abandons him to you know him getting the city powers and and how inner gang wants to use him to create new apocalypse you know he sees that in her and that's, I feel like that's what motivates him. That's why he's projecting on Dick that, you know, people want the worst for her. Hmm. Uh, so I like all that thread. I think that Pac's telling a real effective story through City Boy's character there. Yeah. So, so I was doing a spider there for a minute. So, yeah, it's, um, I, I think this is an interesting issue because it, it kind of, it further just confirms like how some of his abilities are working it extends mm-hmm. a little bit of what Intergang's plan actually is and what they want to use them for. Um, and we continue to see kind of like how different cities speak to him. And I did not predict them using uh, Bloodhaven's nuclear bomb pass to no. like affect them differently, but it did. And I actually mm-hmm. thought it was really cool. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. Um, and then the ending here, and I'm excited about this because w- what have we been comparing this to? This whole idea mm-hmm. of the cities getting such a, a, a life of their own that they end up with avatars we have been comparing Uh it to swamp thing and Uh the idea of ideas eventually becoming strong enough to have Mm -hmm. uh you know a force of some kind you know and the end of this issue is swamp thing looking from the shadows saying it's begun and so we're actually going to be tying into the green here with whatever the city life force is or something so this is such a natural progression that we've already been kind of comparing it to the entire time. Yeah. So the fact that Pax, like, like, he always was going to go down that path was like, okay, mm-hmm. he, he knew what he was doing. We can trust him. Excellent stuff. Yep. Uh, as soon as I saw, I turned the page and saw Swampy. I, I had a fist pump just because, you know, logically, or the, the story's being told well enough that, you know, I feel like, like it was leading to this. So uh, very yeah. excited. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Arts from Jung is solid as always. Yeah. Obviously, it, it kind of comes across as just middling this week when we've got so many like really exceptional yeah, art. Like, but... There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just not... It doesn't have the... You know, it, it's not the... What's, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't have the accoutrement as, as some of the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, it, was just, it was a really heavy week for Arts, so it just it yeah. kind of pales a little bit in comparison. But it's still very solid, and it's doing all its things really well. And at the very least, the art has some really unique things in it because of the whole idea of the city like forming an avatar mm-hmm. and the city expanding it's very different to anything else that's good so mm-hmm. i i feel like all my books this week were a nice bouquet they were all very different which i appreciate yeah. uh so what are you rating city boy issue four i'm gonna this is 7.5 um i'm yeah i'll agree with 7.5 mm-hmm. i think it's just missing the eight but it's, yeah. it's good uh all right so every month at patreon.com slash mailfuzztv you can make myself read a book if you want at one of the higher tiers uh and one patron has got me going through batman and the outsiders and this is batman and the outsiders issue six the original uh, version of it um 
so last issue was like the end of the two part of the, the new teen titans so we're on a new uh territory uh this week um although it does have a cliffhanger so it's not just um you know a one and done uh, but I was very excited for the Cryonic Man, which was what the cover was promising. Uh, and it end up, ends up being like a really apt name, which is actually kind of weird because... So it turns out that... And this is not, not all revealed yet, but there seems to be part of this backstory for this character is that he's got other people in cryonic sleep. Okay. Because, like, there's, there's a line at one point about how this guy, like, robbed the hospital 10 years ago, but he looked the exact same. And it seems like maybe he's going into, like, you know, uh, cryogenic uh, sleeping and then waking up and, like, committing crimes. But he's trying to save, like, his wife or his family or something. But he's he's always stealing, like, artificial, like, uh, like organs, you know, because in this issue, he tries to steal a fake kidney. I don't really know yet, because, like, they've only just sort of teased us. We see him talking to the pods, and uh-huh. he's, he's, like, telepathically communicating to the people who are still in the pods. So it's like his like wife and then another couple that are all seem to be there it's very mr freeze but he's the one who's waking up and going and doing stuff yeah but the cryogenic right. sleep stuff where he's like going to sleep and waking right. up i think is very different so no, the fact that's true yeah but you're just like having the bodies there and stuff though and him talking to them yeah again but they're actually talking back though uh, okay they're talking back in their minds so uh, okay this, the, the, this, this the is a plan graphic. whatever they're doing yeah. it's like it's like they've, they've they're scientists or whatever that have planned all mm-hmm. this um so the name the cryonic man was actually very apt because it works both for the idea of just freezing someone but also the idea Uh of being cryogenically frozen um what's weird about that though is that he doesn't name himself batman names him the cryonic man (laughs) after he just sees him firing like an ice blast he doesn't know about the cryogenically frozen part of his story yet so i'm like that's really coincidental that batman picked the perfect name for this guy with uh very very little information but uh, very good. Uh, so I like this issue a lot, actually. One, because the villain backstory does seem at least kind of interesting so far, but mainly because this issue is more of an ensemble piece where there's like three subplots going on uh, with the different characters doing more of their day-to-day things. So the issue starts with Halo and Katana and street clothes, and Katana is making Halo go to school, and Halo does not want to. She's like, I don't want to go to school. <laughs> I hate this. I don't know anyone. And Katana basically has to convince her to go by promising that they'll go and see a movie after school. To which Halo says, can we go see Star Trek again? And she sighs and goes, yes, okay, we can see Star Trek again. Which, for the record, this is 1984 when this came out. That is, therefore, the search for Spock, the third Star Trek movie she's referring to. Okay. That's all right. It's not bad. It's not, what, it's not bad. It's not great. Um, yeah. So so that's all fine I, I like this character development making her because she's a teenager actually you know get an education seems like a good idea um what did strike me as odd though is katana's uh like outfit <laughs> in this scene mm-hmm. she's dressed like she's the head mistress of a school to be honest she's got like <laughs> she's got like a knee length skirt on she's got like a red uh like checkered jacket mm-hmm. and like a white shirt she looks like a businesswoman from like this time period and it's just not i can't imagine any version of katana i have ever seen wearing this outfit it's i can't so imagine weird. katana in street clothes right i just think she's always wearing her uniform yeah like i like but see if you showed me that like t-shirt and jeans i'd be like okay she's lunging about yeah. the base that's fine but this is very she looks very like no she takes pride in her appearance as like yeah. a you know, a businesswoman kind of thing going. Right. It just it, it really stuck out to me. Um, 
but yeah so that's kind of that subplot kicked off um then katana meets with bruce uh, she doesn't know he's batman uh, in fact, Bruce goes out of his way to sound like an idiot this entire time. In fact, because he says he's there on behalf of Batman, and he, what, is it, what is it he says again? Uh, he says, according to your code of the uh, Bushy Doe, uh, doesn't Batman own your sword? And she's like, it's Bushido, Mr. <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> but Bushy Doe really made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, basically, Batman's bought her a bookstore uh for oh, a nice. uh, basically it's something to do with her day you know or day, you know to make earn her own living um but oh. it's a japanese bookstore specifically so bruce is there to basically just show the place um and so on so yeah uh you know so that's like okay we're establishing that uh yeah. do, you, do you know how he is able to buy her uh a store it's because his parents were rich Oh, you son of a bitch! I, I was like, he's a billionaire. What do you What do you mean? What? How? Yeah, no. Like, you yeah. can afford that? Yeah, his parents are rich. <laughs> Let's be real. Those are that's all Thomas and Martha's money. What has Bruce done? You know, if anybody, Lucius has. He's made has, investments. Yes, <laughs> Lucius has made investments. Yes. yes. Wait, uh, well, if you're that rich, you can make your money work for you. You don't have to do it. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, his parents are rich. That's how. So you cut to the hospital and. Um, uh rex and uh brian uh geoforce mm-hmm. uh, are, are there talking to uh jace who's there getting patched up from the previous events and while they're there they meet this little girl who's waiting for a kidney um but she's very upbeat and they have a nice time talking to her uh but just as they mentioned that our kidney's been flown in we cut to the helicopter coming in with this kidney and the two security <laughs> guards that are carrying this box with the artificial kidney in it and that's when the cryonic man strikes um and for some reason here even though the rest of the the book has blast or like white or blue to sort of insinuate that they're, they're cold yeah honestly this first time he fires his blast from his like glove thing that he's got uh it's red or pink so it looks like just a laser or something like that so it didn't even let me think of coldness but then of course later on he's firing it and it's like freezing people and uh a random stranger at the end of the book says it's liquid nitrogen but liquid nitrogen wouldn't be solid so yeah it's not that but you know but that's, that's just a dumb civilian that says that so that's not a mistake necessarily um so yeah basically they hear this ruckus so uh, rex and metamorph will shoot up and go after uh the bad guy whoever he is who's got a jetpack as well as his uh, ice blasters and uh he's flying around uh metamorpho you know does some shapeshifty things and whatnot you know this is a fun little action scene for what it is um but after this we cut to um, a high school where jefferson's going back to work and they do a good job here because he's uh he's like thought bubbles and stuff really paint that he's really nervous about doing this and he goes in and he asks someone to turn off their boom box he gets a, a can thrown at him and when he kind of snaps and sort of demands to know who threw it like, he grabs the guy like the kid by the shirt and he sort of stops himself and says what am i doing like you know last time i lost control i, I lost my temper a girl died not that he literally you know killed a girl but right you know 
So, it's playing with, with him having this stress of going back to school himself. I, I think it's really funny to do this in the same issue that Halo's going back to school, because it's a nice contrast, yeah. but she's nervous because she's a student doesn't know anyone, but he's scared because he's got this PTSD of, of teaching, <laughs> basically. Uh, I think that's quite interesting. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Halo comes home from school a little bit late, and she's all happy because she went out for cans of Coke with some of her new friends, yeah. and... She says to Katana, you didn't tell me there'd be boys at school. And Katana <laughs> gets this look in her eyes and the eyebrow goes up and she's like, oh yes, I didn't mention the boys. So luckily her teenage sex drive has completely uh, like made Kicked school in. interesting for her. Yeah. <laughs> so, when you said the boys, all I could think of was Dalton Castle because the way that you said it. See, yeah. I, I think of... Uh, Carl Urban and the boys. The boys, yeah. yeah. You're, you're thinking of a wrestler. Um, yeah. Batman phones uh, about this whole, this guy, you know, the cryonic man. So all the outsiders team up. They go to their, their meeting room and Batman explains what's going on uh, and we have to find this cryonic man and stop him. You know, usual stuff. He makes mm-hmm. his big entrance story. He turns the lights off, uh, you know, because obviously. And this is when we actually cut to the villain. And he's got like robots that are helping him getting patched up, and he's got he's like three people in the in the cryonic chambers, and they're saying, "Please get us out of here soon." And he's like, "Soon, darling, I'll have you out of here soon." But it, he mentions as he's walking away, um, he says, uh, "You know, the world out there is worse than we feared, but don't worry, they'll get better. It's only 1955," uh, implying that he's from the future and that they have come back in time and are, are waking up at key moments to do things. Um, it also emphasizes in one of the panels that he's got a scar on his leg, o- almost like uh, it's been attached Frankenstein style, or at the very least his flesh has been sewn back up after something's <laughs> been done to his leg. So, uh, just, you know, worth mentioning, could be relevant mm-hmm. uh, next time. So, yeah. Uh, so the Outsiders set a trap for him. They basically announced that this big fancy scientist with a fancy prosthetic thing is arriving. But it's actually Bruce Wayne with the Mission Impossible face mask on. <laughs> and, so real quick, I, I pulled this up on a wiki so I yeah. can kind of follow along with you. So that guy is actually Dr. Uh, Marcus Dorlin, the inventor of artificial organs. So oh, Barr okay. wrote a real person into this, which I think that's pretty cool. I, try, I, I did not know that. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, so yeah, Crowded Man strikes when they're going through a tunnel and it turns out Batman's the, the rich guy, his driver... Uh, or maybe sorry, actually, I think Batman may be the driver and uh, Black Lightning is actually the rich guy. But either way, like, you know, they, they you know, sit up, jump out of the car, uh, the rest of the outsiders are en route and they all kind of strike and there's a bit of an action scene, you know, it goes back and forwards. Um, there's a fun bit here where Metamorpho makes like a... Because one of the things that's happening is that all the other cars in this very buzzy tunnel starting to like crash into each other because they're trying to dodge the action mm-hmm. and they're trying to whatever. Uh, so Batman tells a couple of them to go and deal with the cars and make sure they don't get hurt. So uh, Metamorpho makes this sort of ramp uh, and cracks a few one-liners. And yeah, it's just, just some generally fun stuff. But there is some uh, good stuff here uh, where, you know, there's a car that almost hits a big truck. Um, you know, Katana's fighting the Cryonic Man. Uh, you know, there's just uh, various things here uh, just to make it kind of fun but this is actually I was realizing as I was reading that there were actually I must be near the end because this has like been like 20 something pages and sure enough the cliffhanger is, is that they get frozen like the entire team gets frozen by the cryonic man and that's the cliffhanger 
so you know i, I appreciate that actually because i was thinking because i was really enjoying this issue spending time with the characters on their day-to-day lives like i was really liking that stuff because it was really humanizing them all the idea that katana is kind of this reluctant mother to halo um you know black lightning dealing with going back to teaching i was really liking all that stuff but it did mean that the the main villain plot was never going to have enough time to wrap up in one issue so i was actually kind of relieved when i got to the end i was like oh no we're doing a cliffhanger and this is at least a two-parter i actually think that's really smart mm-hmm. and uh yeah i had a good time um i, I mean i enjoyed the two-parter uh, crossover that we got well enough but there was just so many characters that i really appreciated this having time again to actually like spend time and develop what the characters are going through uh so that's really nice and i think one thing that i'm really noticing is that batman he shows up in this to be the leader of the team when they're doing missions but we don't you know we don't cut to bruce and what he's going through because there's no need to like he has his own books this is this is the rest of the team's book and then he comes in and leads them as a team but we don't get his day-to-day life he does appear of course to katana but that's more about katana's plot line than it is his So I think that's just an interesting thing that they've chosen to do here, which makes a lot of sense, given that you know at this time, at least Batman and Detective Comics would have been running at the same time. So mm-hmm. if not a few other ones. So yeah, I would give this one a solid eight. Um, Cryonic Man, I was expecting a silly villain, but he's actually kind of interesting because it's a time traveler who's like doing things in different time mm-hmm. periods. Although he's wrong. Actually, I, I should have mentioned that. He says yeah. it's 1955. It's not. <laughs> it's, no. the, it's 1984 so yep. i do think that he's timing's off something here and maybe that'll be a big plot point next issue just, so I, I did some research on him just right to you to the next issue oh boy there's some twisty turnies uh, all right there. no no spoilies i'm, no, I'm, I'm invested in the crowd uh-huh. um will he be better than cold snap only only one issue will tell <laughs> uh but <laughs> yeah eight out of ten for me on this one uh huh? i enjoyed Fun. it so uh, that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week for it panel slash moment favorite cover favorite art and of course our top five books and we actually have a full top five to do this week which is nice we um do. so matt what was your panel slash moment of the week oh man so there's there's a, a couple from uh, a lot of the books i mean shazam you have that one of, of billy transforming mm-hmm. right to stop the bus that looks really good um uh, in Birds of Prey, you have Barda's introduction and the you know the stuff with Cass. Uh, that that's all really really nice. There's some in Ivy that I really like, but that's more about like the tension, uh, and you kind of need the whole issue. So uh, I'm gonna pull mine from Justice Society, and it's going to be of you know the the Jay and Judy hug that that snaps him. Uh, into memory because again okay. it's a it's a flash trope at this point but it really tugged at my heartstrings I'm, I'm happy that that jay has his family outside of you know the boys so yeah yeah um yeah that's, that's tough there's a few things like you say from shazam i could pick or, or just society um or even more two moments from city boy are really good but i think uh i'm gonna have to go birds of prey and I, I think probably as the ending because as much as i like a lot mm-hmm. of the individual moments throughout that book i think the just the, the pitch of what it is we're going to break into themascara is just such mm-hmm. a cool like mic drop of a end of an issue <laughs> and, one. and harley's reaction too is pretty pretty good that would yeah. have made my list as well uh so yeah all right uh cover of the week i had a gl- glimpse while you were talking about mm-hmm. uh poison ivy 
Uh, I feel like you're going to mention a certain Jen Bartel cover of one book, so uh, I will... I did not see a Jen Bartel cover, so now uh, I have to look. Well, Fire and Ice is the one you're looking at, Matt. Okay, so I haven't clicked on Fire and Ice. So. Uh, I mean, Birds of Prey's main cover is good. Shazam's main mm-hmm. cover is good. There's an interesting Batman variant by Gab- uh, Gabriel Delato, which looks quite nice. It's Batman and Catwoman in the rain. Um, I think my pick, though, might just be the variant for Shazam, which is Edwin uh, Galman. Uh, and it's just it's just Shazam flying in the sky. It's just a really nice image. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that'll be my pick for this week. What you got? Um, so um, no, that that Jim Bartel Fire and Ice looks nice. There's also a Amanda Connor Fire and Ice that's very it kind of matches the tone of the book mm-hmm. uh, very much. But who would I be if I didn't pick Poison Ivy? Of um, course, of course. Right, and and the the main cover by Jessica Fong is is really nice. Um, but I, I'm gonna pick the Otto Schmidt. Which gives kind of the monstrous ivy, uh, the Otter Schmidt uh, stock variant. Uh, it's got her in kind of that flowery um, zombie kind of form, uh, and just looks really, really nice. Mm. So you looked at it, you said to yourself, "Holy Schmidt!" I did say "Holy Schmidt," probably nine times. <laughs> um, all right, uh, art of the week. Oh, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> this is this is tough, but I, I think I've made my decision as we've been talking. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, do, do you want me to run through the possible candidates, or do you just want me to, to go? Just tell me what that was. It? Uh, it's it's Romero for Birds of Prey. I'm also picking Romero for Birds of Prey. Yeah. It was very close. Uh, Mora? Mora was the one that was very uh, close. But given how many individual things I felt the need to point out whilst talking about it, I think puts mm-hmm. it over the edge. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, but Mora was easily the, the second like mm-hmm. closest one as well. Uh, all right, top five books, Matt. On all go. right, so uh, number one is going to be Birds of Prey. Two, Shazam. Uh, three, Just Society. Four, Poison Ivy. And five is Fire and Ice. All no, right. City Boy. City Boy. Yep, over yeah. Fire and Ice just a bit. Okay. Uh, yeah, my five will be number one, Birds of Prey. Number two, Shazam. Number three, Just Society of America. Exact same so far. But number four will be... Um, City Boy, and then number five. I feel mean putting Batman above Fire and Ice, but I, I, ultimately <laughs> that that book wasn't for me though. So even a Batman True. issue that I wasn't as into still kind of takes number five. So mm-hmm. apologies to Fire and Ice, but <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just the way it's got to crumble sometimes. I will now tell you what is coming next week from DC Comics. Uh, so next week we have Green Lantern issue three. Yes. We have Batman and Robin issue one, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, we have World's Finest Teen Titans issue three. Looking forward to that. Uh, mm-hmm. Superman Lost issue six. We have Danger Street issue nine. Uh, get Big in. week. Uh, and then Batman Incorporated 12, Waller vs. Wildstorm issue 3, The Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries issue 12, and Looney Tunes 274. It's actually quite a quiet week for numbers, yeah. honestly. Uh, we only have, mm-hmm. what, five, four or five books? Uh, I almost wish I'd left the Patreon book to next week that I'm looking at yeah, this. But hey. I, I only have four. Yeah, so, yeah, so do I, because I'm not reading Superman Lost anymore. Me neither. Oh. Yeah. Oops. Uh, so... Oh, there is a Green Lantern there. Uh, do I get caught up? Probably not. Uh, on Superman oh, I'm Lost? Sorry. 
Inter Milan, yeah. Marseille. I was like say, you're you're right, actually, what Inter Milan yeah. are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I'm excited because they give a yes. So yeah, I mean, I'm excited um, for three of those four books, and then Batman and Robin's get a morbid curiosity factor going for it. So. Good Lord, why couldn't they spread out the next week? I'm, I'm looking at the next week, and it's it's a glutton. They, they, they always do this to us. They always just mismatch. Yeah. And what's annoying is Celestis will be on week three. Just you watch. Celestis will be the week with the, the more books. Yep. Whatever. It's our burden to... Burden. Yeah. <laughs> It's our burden to carry. <laughs> anyway, that has been the show. You can, of course, support the show and all the content that we do over at patreon.com slash TV. If you can't support us with monies, don't feel bad. You can like, subscribe. Those things help us get found on YouTube or rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Share us on the social medias or to your friends, whoever might enjoy us. Um, and of course, always remember to uh, check out, uh, you know, there's a lot more content outside of the, the comics podcast. Uh, I do a horror movie podcast with Tim over in Mail Fuzz Movies called Streams After Midnight. There's a science fiction podcast called The Atomic Cinema Experiment. And then there's another movie podcast uh, that I do with David, who does the uh, Not So New 52 show uh, called The Collector's Cut, where we work through franchises and things like that. So um, well worth going and checking out a bunch of these things if you want more banter between... Well, me and other people, at least. Yes. <laughs> um, in fact, one of, the things, one of the things on the Patreon that just started at the $5 tier and up is a monthly video game podcast with me and Connor. So if you at least like me and Connor uh, telling each other that we're idiots, then uh, you may enjoy that. Say, Pete doesn't even like Pete and Connor. <laughs> <laughs> so don't ask. Yes. Or go over to Mailfuzz uh, TV and you can get the uh, the Smallville reviews that me and Connor do. Oh, over there. God. <laughs> You guys, uh, I just wanted to laugh that you were like, you were talking about how, you know, Bruce Wayne doesn't show that so much in Batman and the Outsiders. It's kind mm-hmm. of about them. You're, you're kind of the Batman in this, is that you're, you're in everything. And, it, you know, I have my own, I'm off on my own adventures, and David's off on his own. Uh, Tara's off on hers. Tim, who knows what Tim gets up to? But you, you're constant. You're in everything. So I, I am the make, I am the recording you software. Are? I am the Batman. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, that is the show, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Mm -hmm.